enter the Mortal Realms and Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the thousand doors this episode are... I'm Davey, and you know, I think spending most of your life living in the Thieves' Paradise sounds pretty cool, yo. <laughs> but I'm Paul. Hey guys, what do you call a flat rainbow? I don't know. Arkless. Oh, fair enough. And I'm Aaron, and hey John Milton, uh, you might find what you've been looking for in the Thieves' Paradise. Uh, in this episode, we are dis- discussing Thieves' Paradise by Nick Horth. Callus who? Toll what now? Today we're here to follow the breakout star from Horth's slice of the mortal realms, and the elven treasure hunter has stolen more than priceless artifacts this time. She's stolen our hearts. We know who your character is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. Thump, 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 thump. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. Uh, and by everybody, I mean you two standing directly across from me. And the listeners. And hello. the listeners. Yes, hello. hello. Listeners. What are you wearing right now? Uh, how are you guys <laughs> doing? some cigarette going on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm a little, little more hot and bothered now. I don't know. Have you done any hobby since we last recorded? Yes, some. Um, some of it has been planning. So I, I've, it's been a while since I was doing uh, a bunch of uh, hands-on sort of hobby. Um, but uh, I was, I was looking at the uh, Corvus Cabal. Uh, love, love those models. And then I have like all this terrain and bits that I just haven't done anything with for years. And I was thinking of like some sort of grand conversion thing where I like make a, uh, so one, one was, uh, combining a, uh, beastman hearthstone with some trees that I have and trying to make the big sort of trophy tree for the, uh, for the Corvus cabal. And then another was using some of this terrain I have and using bits and making almost like a, um, uh, a roost or a nest for the Corvus and, and have, you know, maybe just try and like build my own, like, Hey, you want to, uh, you know, play against the chorus with this home field advantage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, uh, that's just daydreaming right now. Yeah. And, and, uh, who knows if that will become something, but it was fun to think about. Yeah. I've definitely had that thought as well of doing a, a board that is your home roost or your, your base. Mm-hmm. And when you do challenge battles, invite them in or something like that. I don't know. That, that's a cool idea, but, yeah. um, I have pulled a rotor and I've done most of my hobby through purchasing, so I bought Tome of Champions. I got the two last white dwarfs. I forgot to pick the last one up. And then I got the um, Age of Sigmar objectives uh, box as well. And I also made a gingerbread house. Oh, so, sure. You know, that was fun. Uh, and did you fill it with models? I didn't, uh, but I made it kind of look like Stormkeep. So oh, excellent. I had fun with it. And when you say the objectives, which one? You mean like the floating rock and the The swords? one that was in Tome of Champions. Yeah, perfect. Smart. <laughs> that, that's a part um, of the scenario. I so. would, that was probably my like highlight of that book when I opened it up. I'm like, oh, I have all that stuff. Sweet. Um, <laughs> Doesn't that happen every time you open up a book? No, you would most of the time, but not every time. And it's increasing in, in frequency as well. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I have to buy the December White Dwarf because it's got Gotrick. Uh, war card rules in there and if you look up there i just bought them oh look at that into the collection i mean i can't i'm having a sale i can't walk in and not buy some did you have to go into a volcano to go buy them i should have um you went into a a spiritual volcano yeah sure (laughs) Uh, anyways um what have i been up to i'm I'm doing great thanks for asking and (laughs) i well you're erupting i put i put i don't know what it's called it's like the hallowed storm throne apparently i know exactly what it's called you do um so i just put that together that's kind of cool it's like a little unique um piece that came out relatively recently uh folks you may remember a long time ago that they released a war scroll card for the hallowed storm throne but they never released the model and i was freaking out because 
gosh darn it, how could you? Um, so I was very relieved that they released it. Um, and I feel like it kind of maybe is missing some people, but everybody who's going to buy their uh, Dominion of Sigmar type terrain have already bought, bought all their stuff. And so like, this is sort of a second wave. Um, and I'm glad that it came out. I'm glad that I have it. And it looks pretty cool. It's bigger than I thought it'd be. I'm um, glad that GW made something just for you to fulfill that hole that you had in your collection. Well, it, what you don't realize is that in my head, everything they make is just for me. And it's pretty irrelevant um, how it affects the world <laughs> at large. Um, but that is pretty neat. So I'm still working on all that. So, so I'm getting close. It's almost done. Put, getting put together, that is. But that's enough of that. Hey, guys, we're, we're going to talk about a story today. Um, and a, sh- a shorter one because, man, we have been putting out some content lately. It's the end of the year. Things are busy. So uh, we're tackling a novella, a, a nice... A uh, short uh, appetizer type story um, that we could breeze through pretty quickly. Uh, and we're going to talk about Thieves Paradise, if you haven't gathered that already, uh, by Nick Horth. Um, another in his, there's not really a term for what his series is, but following those characters that he's been introducing sort of in the greater um, Callus and Toll. Um, so there's got to be a word for that. What is that? Uh, I'm not sure. But let's like tell you what. tip of my tongue. Let's, let's, before we get too far, let's jump into the story phase. So All it's right. nice and official. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. Freed from prison in exchange for her aid, elven treasure hunter Shev Arklis must recover an item of extraordinary power. With the aid of a deranged warden and a long-dead thief, she must navigate the thieves' paradise. But the dead will not relinquish their treasures easily. Guys, we're in the spoiler-free section now. Uh, Maybe even my favorite. Uh, section. Um, let's talk about some facts, some factoids about this uh, this novella. I don't want to downplay it. It actually is. I mean, it's a, a sizable little story. Yeah, here. it's not uh, short. Yeah, it's not short. It doesn't fit into our pocket realms, uh, which you can find more at our Patreon at www.themortalrealms.com slash Patreon. Um, so let's check out maybe the when. When does this story take place? Y'all got thoughts? This is interesting. Like, I feel like we've, we've uh, had a number of stories where we had to kind of I think it takes place at this point or, 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 you know, like we, we haven't had clear markers. And so we've had to kind of extrapolate where it's been landing. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one, it's, it's very clear. Uh, Necroquake has occurred. It's specifically referenced at there. So like people are talking about it, so they know what it is. However, uh, the uh, Lethus is still uh, on, it's, it's still um, intact, I guess is the, yeah, um, roughly word I'm looking for. Sure. It, it hasn't been uh, assaulted as happened, as we know, in Forbidden Power. Mm-hmm. So we've like, occurred in between the Necroquake and Forbidden Power. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I believe it's referenced that Lethus is under threat. Right, right. So they think something's coming. Yeah. But uh, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. That's a very specific little piece of time. It, it, it's rare that we know the before and the after, like yeah. where, where it slots in between. Um, Refreshing. You yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Um, one, I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that, like, Nick Korth is also, like, a game's, like, background writer, right? Like, he, he writes mm-hmm. for GW proper. Battle or, Whatever the difference is. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I think, but, like, he's steeped in the wens of, of the story, the larger story, Um uh, as it relates to the game um, and sort of the releases. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Well, I, th- I think that's fair to say that that's something about this book um, that is interesting is that it is written by a battle tome author, right? We do have black library authors that don't write battle tomes. And there is sometimes a difference of feeling because they do tend to have a little bit more of the detail and the spe- specificity when we're talking to people who are in the studio themselves. Mm-hmm. When we read, uh, Gloom Spite by Andy Clark, you knew that the specific the specificity was there sure. because he had written the battle tome. 
Yeah. Right. And so even though this is a novella, it's not like a throwaway. Um, this is built into the larger work of Nick Horth. Well, that's an interesting point because uh, you can see it when something pops up in this book without doing spoilers, but he's very clear on, you know, a unit on the tabletop. Like he's very specific about how that looks and is accurate to mm-hmm. and like how that figure looks and all that sort of thing. Like it, it, it's somebody who's, who's clearly aware of what that figure looks like. Mm. Um, I and, have no idea what you're talking about, but I can't wait to find out more. All right. Um, furthermore, if we're talking about the when, um, it's, we don't often do like sequels. I guess we do on occasion, but this also squarely takes place after previous Black Library books that we read. And we talk about the Horth stories, the mm. Horthiverse, I guess. I don't know what we want to call it. <laughs> the collected work the of collected Horth. Work Horth, of Horth cinematic universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but this does take place. And it, it, fortunately, this is a sequel to some books that we've actually read and covered on the, the um, mm. in fact, it's, it's almost the, the only series that we have at multiple entries on now that I think about That's it. That's a fair point. Um, but, not maybe one of the only i'll say i don't know if it is the only um i'd, I'd say the most significant other thing was just doing realm gate wars which sure. yeah, yeah. And i did yeah. true, true true um but so this does take place after um silver shard which is uh, however many episodes ago that was which in and of itself took place after uh city of secrets sure um so it, it i mean it's not a spoiler thing to say that if you want to get the full picture of who this character is it's probably worth reading that silver shard or Listen to our episode because, man, we go line by line by that thing. We did such a good job. We did such a great job. Yeah. We did City of Secrets too, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. One of my earlier ones. So I'm not going to vouch for that one. Um, Does that qualify us for like the Horth fan club? I think so. Well, Uh, he's already a close personal friend of Aaron. Of course. (laughs) Close personal friend. Uh, Library author. Dear, dear dear friend. Um, Actually, I was going to harken back. If you want to find out more about just what Nick Horth does, listen to one of the Maybe the two Stormcast episodes ago, he was just on it and he talked about a lot of the stuff that he does yeah. yep. um, in the studio. Yeah, he had one early on and mm-hmm. then he has another one that just came out as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we've got our when. Let's talk about the where. Where are we at? We are in Shyish. Shh, not so loud. Don't talk about it. He'll find us. Uh, so, we are in the realm of Shyish, the realm of death, mm-hmm. and we are in unconquered lands. Um, I think that's a pertinent point. Sure. Uh, so we are actually in some underworlds, um, and there's basically two major uh, locations that it takes place. Let, let in. me pause you for a second. Unconquered by whom? Unconquered by Nagash and and Catacros right? or Chaos. Oh, that's sure. true. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Um, Which, for the most part, are like as far as I'm concerned, like the two big forces that are sort of tugging and, and pulling in in that area. But no, we have our. Oh, uh, either unclaimed or I guess we, the story just start in a, a city of Sigmar, but like, sure. I mean, and the majority of it takes place in a place that, and it's easy to assume that all of Shyish is either under Nagash's sway or under the sway of, uh, chaos invaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we know there's a couple of order outposts, right? Sure. Uh, but this is, this is, uh, an example of how that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, and it's, it's rare that we spend time in a very, I guess fully realized underworld as well, and without getting into too much detail. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, you always talk about how Shyish is made of those underworlds, and they'll, they'll give you throwaway lines that, like, "Oh, this is an underworld that you go to if you believe this or that," or yeah. and, and, and given God. But like, I don't, I haven't seen many boots on the ground perspectives on what what that even means. Mm-hmm. And this, not to get too far ahead, this is pretty enlightening is to sort of see it done um, in this story. That's so, a good point mm-hmm. because it, it feels like a sort of fundamental yeah. uh, essence of what. 
shyish is, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. we just haven't explored it as fully as we might have otherwise. Well, it, it's one of my favorite things about the, sure. the realm, Age of Sigmar setting is yeah. the realm of death. Yeah. And this idea of the perpetual anything can yeah. happen. Sure. Uh, well, and not to belabor the point, but we see, we see occasional cities like the Sigmar cities in death, and they would claim that these are in afterlifes, but like there's never really any indication that, that that's yeah. true. Like, I, yeah. it, well, for it, example, Lethus, right? Like, Lethus is just a city, it's in death. We don't have any example, any description of what this afterworld was, right? It's in the prime innerlands, mm-hmm. which theoretically at some point was an underworld, but we don't have any description of that. Mm-hmm. And this is not there, right? This is farther out. Um, so it's not in the prime innerlands because we know that that's been conquered. Um, it's not on the far out of outreaches of it because that's too wild magic to have humans live. So we're somewhere in that band in between that temperate zone of the realm of death. Yeah, a new territory for sure. And uh, we also, I think it's fair to say where we started. We started in a place called the pit that is a jail. So that's kind of a new uh, hook, new start here, right? Where, where is the pit? In a city. Just left us. Oh, is it left us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where I was going before is let's let's talk about the who. We've dropped her name a couple times now. Um, where the story is going to follow a secondary character. No, probably a, f- a first point of view character from the last book. I think mm-hmm. we got a point of view um, in Silver Shard, but this is Chev Arkless. Shavanya Arkless. Chev Flat Rainbow. Yeah, uh, she uh, <laughs> is an Elven. Uh, I guess treasure hunter, archaeologist, perhaps. Uh, maybe grave robber on occasion. Rapscallion. Uh, yeah, perhaps. I'm gonna go with Rapscallion. She's a she's a Elven. Um, Indiana Jones nailed it. Yeah, no, I, but I'm it doesn't. Not, but it doesn't belong in the museum. Exactly what it belongs points. in her pocket. I'm not gonna say that she's an Elven Indiana Jones. I'm gonna say that she's an Elven Tomb Raider. Mm, okay, I'm going. With I that. don't know Tomb Raider that well, but yeah. I, I believe it. Um, or is Indiana Jones a human? Shivania Arkless. Yeah. yeah. Possibly in Silver Shard. Well, and so she was introduced in Silver Shard, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As I recall, like, I think she's the first person you encounter. Yeah, okay. So then definitely a yeah, first, Shard. first yeah. person character. Um, and where she's been sort of co-opted, coerced into, yeah, joining a, an expedition. <clears throat> and in a way, kind of similar to, I mean, not dissimilar You're to You're not this. wrong. Um, <laughs> You get a sense that uh, she's kind of a character that would prefer to be on her own, and yet we always seem to find her uh, in company that she would prefer not to be in. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, the story. Every is, time she thinks she's out, they yeah. pull her back <laughs> in. They pull her back in. Uh, Elven treasure hunter, archaeologist. <laughs> always getting co-opted and doing the stuff that – But um, so she I, – I think the, the Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider uh, comparison is apt. I bet you probably Horth would agree that's maybe some sort of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Well, I know specifically for Silver Shard, he mentioned that it was intended to be an Indiana Jones type adventure. I see. Gotcha. Well, and the reason she's always getting, again, shanghaied into these missions is because she's she's a capable Tomb Raider treasure hunter type yeah. character. And that she's got skills. She can infiltrate places. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows you know, how to keep her eyes off for traps and things. She's yeah. got that elven grace. So who better to, I guess, follow on, on this mm-hmm. um, on this path, on this adventure? Well, and I think what what is the definition of her character to me is that she is just intentionally curious hmm. right she wants to know more and once she knows more she wants to know more like it it's not a careless curious it is an informed it is a like intelligent curious hmm. uh and do that's you, a really interesting way of looking at a character do you see yourself in her a little bit oh no she's, <laughs> she's far too graceful to be me <laughs> no, no, no. i'd like to come back around to that later it's, <laughs> a, it's an interesting observation so. um but uh 
all we sort of alluded to the fact that she would prefer to work alone, but in this story, the exact opposite is true, and she <coughs> has to join a, a group of other uh, like-minded individuals, or at least like-gold individuals, um, and so she has to team up with a uh, warrior, not warrior priest, no, a witch hunter, um, not the witch hunter that we know and love from the Callus and Toll series, not Toll, but... Um, uh, another one whose jurisdiction sort of covers um, the Lethus area, and he's sort of the one who enlists her aid. Um, we'll talk more about him. Um, he's got a, a human bodyguard, big old sword, pretty g- gruff and burly. Um, at one point, they, they link up with a, what, how do they phrase it? A, a me- me- mechano-arcane engineer of the Ironweld College. I think I want to just like pause here for a second, because Eric literally pasted this out put it in the discord right like this is a new term mm-hmm. a mechano arcane engineer right um so this is kind of something new uh, that's brought into the universe so if you want to know more about it read the book and then come listen yeah, to the spoilers listen, section because uh, it. It, it's definitely interesting to me well and we, we can talk about like what what we may know about it but like this is sort of another allusion to this mechanical cog fort type um mm-hmm. stuff that permeates the uh the order-based Sigmar, you know, yeah. civil civilizations. If we don't see something like this, like maybe not him specifically brought up in like model form sometime soon, like mm-hmm. that's a, that's it. We're missing out. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's all sorts of stuff that are right from the picking that we, we can pull from these stories. Yeah. Um, I, I might call it like steam ether punk or something like that. It's, it's not straight steampunk. It's not straight ether. It's not straight fantasy. It's mm-hmm. a kind of a combination of the both. It's only a matter of time. And this it. is, uh, Something that it has a theme that, as you said, has been repeating. We've heard about cog forts. Um, there were marsh striders that were these like mechanical constructions as well. Mm. There's a lot of different things that we have that are starting to fit into this category. Agreed. Um, and uh, a few other uh, bit characters that we're going to find out more about as we talk about the story. But um, mm-hmm. that is for us to discover in the, the spoiler section. Um, are there any other what's that haven't been covered so far it's uh she's a she's a thief mm-hmm. treasure hunter uh she's co-opted into a mission to go grab a, a, a treasure that we're going to talk about later mm-hmm. uh, we're in shyish so if we were going to categorize this book in a library right what section would it be under would this mm-hmm. be the age a- of sigmar section the <laughs> horthaverse <laughs> section would it be an adventure would it be a thriller would it be like what kind of a book is this uh, heist book. All right, yeah. Davey, what are you thinking? Not really a heist book. Uh, it's not hitting the right notes for a heist. No, book. adventure it feels more adventure. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, adventure could be it. I mean, yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I guess we could try. What's, what's your answer, Paul? I think adventure is a pretty good term for it. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. Like high adventure. That's beyond compare. I mean that's that's kind of fair. Like high adventure, it is. It is not a low fantasy Age of Sigmar book, right? It is a high fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call me bears. Paul's on. Paul's Call on me board. Bears. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely a high adventure. Uh, it has a lot of that high fantasy feel to it, um, and as opposed to some of the other books that are set perhaps uh, farther back in the past, it does seem to be current with what's going on in the rest of the age of Sigmar. So um, it definitely, not only does it seem to, it tells us exactly where it is in AOS. It seems to fit in that time Mm. scale as well. To me, that was something that jumped out about the book is that it fits in between the Necroquake and soul wars. Sure. 
I get you. Uh, I agree. Cool. So, th- any other spoiler-free stuff we want to talk about? All right. So, if no spoiler-free section, before we move to the spoiler section, give me a give me a quick thought. Should people read this book? Yes. Paul thinks yes. Yes, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it is an exploration of the realm of death, and specifically one of the underworlds. I think that's uh, fair to say up front, and I really enjoy that. That whole thing, uh, that whole idea, really appeals to me. Mm. Um, and we do get a fully fleshed out underworld here. What? So well, in a way, yes. Uh. Yeah, so that's pretty sweet. Um, and then I, I'm going to double down on my uh, Silver Shard is like Indiana Jones, and this is a little bit more like Tomb Raider to me. Uh, so if you like that kind of a feel, I would definitely recommend it. If you've read the other two of Nick Horst's books and like them, I would definitely recommend it. I'm not going to force you to pick apart the difference between Tomb Raider and Indiana Jones, but I'm, at some point I'd be interested in uh, defining the differences. For me, I think it was not my favorite. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think it established some expectations that it did not meet for me. Mm-hmm. I think I was looking for the heist. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, it had some elements getting set up, and I was like, oh, yeah. He's putting together a heist team. Book. This yeah. is going to be great. Uh, and because it did not follow through, it ended up being adventure which I feel like I've seen before, seen enough of. Uh, I was excited to have like a heist book in the Age of Sigmar, and it it was not that. Mm-hmm. And so that's on me, perhaps for uh, for developing some incorrect expectations. Um, and I think that maybe uh, flavored some of my some of my assessments later on. But he was putting together a team, though. Should have been a heist. And now I really want a heist book. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I've had this thought before of how sure. fun it would be to have a heist book set in AOS, but... Well, I think it wasn't Reynolds going to write a heist book. Anyways. Yep, um, that was my thought. Did I like uh, it? Yes. I think I think it would... Um, <laughs> Reynolds? Still my best friend. Um, I I did like it. Uh, I, I would more strongly recommend folks who are into the other Nick Horth books to read this one. I think this sure. is par for the course. Like This, this yep. continues that trend. And I like that he's going... He's going wide rather than deep. Like, I feel like every story he makes it a point to introduce uh, a number of interesting characters, and then he, you know, he's found the ones that uh, ha- are worth telling more stories about. Basically, and I, and I, I think yeah. Chev uh, falls into that that bucket. Um, I think that uh, to, to Paul's point that it is very similar to Silver Shard. Like, if if you it, it hits similar notes. And then uh, for those folks who haven't read those books, um, it's it's probably worth picking up one or two of them before you would start this one. I think not that you would be lost, but it, it would just inform some of the plot and inform, inform the character a little bit. Um, however, it may be worth doing so because I think maybe Davey alluded to her at one point we said that it does, you do learn a thing or two about Shyesh. You do learn a thing or two about the underworlds. And if you wanted to get a sense of what it even meant to live in an underworld or like exist in an underworld, this paints a more clear picture than I can remember any other story doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it, it introduces a character at one point that like sort of exemplifies that too. Um, so I, I think per investment, it's, it's a novella, so it's not too hard to, to burn through. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I think it is probably worth it. Uh, just be prepared. That it, it's not a heist, uh, heist book, but again, more of that adventure type uh, story. So to your point, I do think you can read this book, this novella, Standalone, mm-hmm. 100%. it will still stand up on yep. its own legs. Um, so you just poo all over what I just said. But I think if you read it without reading City of Secrets and Silver Shard, you are missing that depth of information that really informs the character. Mm. Gotcha. But that being said, if you don't have time to read all three, go ahead and read this novella. Who does? Yeah. <laughs> Who would even? Go Nobody in this listen room. Listen to our previous episodes. Um, Everybody in this room. <laughs> <laughs> We're the 
the coolest. Um, all right, let's jump Cue into the proud. <laughs> let's jump into some spoilers so we don't just keep beating around the bush. Hi everyone, it's Aaron, the lamest member of the Mortal Realms, here to check in and gauge your feelings on the story so far. You think it's something you'd like to read? You want to be spending most of your life living in a thieves' paradise? Then go to the show notes and find a link to buy the book and get reading. We'll be here when you get back. And if you've already read the darn thing, then go review the darn thing on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever else. Prove to the world that you are not illiterate. Look, I'm just saying I've heard rumors is all. And finally, hey, you. Happy New Year. We here at the Mortal Realms have had a great 2019, and it was almost entirely due to our awesome listeners, just like you. I won't gush now. Go ahead and check out our holiday crossover episode, if you haven't already, to hear all of the Mortal Realms hosts from all of our shows reflect and talk about what's in store for the future. And speaking of the future, uh, the show after this should release around the 10th of February and a few days sooner uh, than that for our Patreon patrons. And speaking of Patreon patrons, uh, before that, we'll release another Pocket Realms with a special guest, so keep your ears open for that. Neato. That should do it. Let's get back to the show. Let's spoil the heck up out of this book. All right, so uh, smash cut. We're in a jail, a black pit uh, at the bottom of what? Would that possibly? That was be? the smash cut. Okay. Whoa! Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the black pit. What was confusing? I can see how you'd be confused and not realize that we we're in Lethis because she refers it to it as the Raven City repeatedly. But that mm-hmm. is Lethis is the Raven City, <laughs> and Shev has been arrested and locked up because I don't know she broke into some noble person's house and tried to steal something. Do we know. really know exactly like how it happened, do. or are we kind of just like giving Unim- it unimportant? Yeah, in, yeah. in media, you're res. in a tavern <laughs> and you meet some other people, <laughs> and apparently you're all best friends and willing to spend the next twenty levels of your life uh, <laughs> doing adventures. Roll a d twenty. Um, but uh, she's chained up. She hears, you know, people bawling outside her gates. But eventually, she's visited by this. Uh, and, okay, I don't know. That's just what jail is like. I assume I've never been. So um, there's a pit, right? Yeah. She's in complete darkness. Um, so this is an interesting narrative way of describing her approach to this story, right? She knows nothing. Mm-hmm. She has no information, and somebody comes to the door that she doesn't know and says, "Hey, yeah, I that's need you." My my takeaway on this was uh, the cities of Sigmar have some pretty terrible jails. Mm. Uh, so it's establishing this where, like, you know, uh, even the forces of order, even the more orderly forces of order, like we have the more savage ones like Eidneth and Daughters. Daughters. Uh, but even the even the more civilized, uh, organized ones, they're not so great sometimes. Like this is pretty, you need some, need some prison reform up in. This is not great. <laughs> No, I'm legitimately. This is the the darkest that we have seen the order be, um, and by proxy, right? This is the darkest that we've seen the Church of Sigmar be. As as usual, I will I will challenge your your uh, application of a superlative uh, superlative hmm. here. Yeah, that's fair. That's the, fair. The, the Knights Excelsior. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, lame yeah. stuff. Our Stormcast, and this is I don't know. I, I see a difference between the two. But that's just me. I'm sure. I'm sure there's been plenty of witch hunters who've been lighting fools on fire. Like, oh, absolutely. But we haven't seen them in writing. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And I guess that would that, that that struck me immediately of how. At any rate, speaking of yeah. speaking of gnarly witch hunters, Amos Varen kicks the door and no, no wait, wait. he just walks in and he comes bringing an offer to Shev. Uh, he says, "Hey, look, you get your freedom if because uh, <laughs> I got a job for you." Mm-hmm. Uh, and she snaps her fingers and says, "I'm in." No, um, but. 
apparently there was this uh, great arch archmage, archmage of uh, an amethyst archmage uh, who went rogue. Yep. And he set up this phylactery as uh, necromancers often do. Oh no, I guess he's not necromancer. He's an archmage. Um, and uh, but he was defeated, and they hid away this phylactery. But now we know that um, where things that were hidden are no longer hidden all that well post Necroquake, mm-hmm. post sort of um, the Storm Vaults being revealed. And mm-hmm. it turns out now we're a little concerned that maybe that phylactery isn't as safe as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, this Varen witch hunter uh, thinks that Shev would be the perfect, perfect match uh, for his little mission to go and retrieve that phylactery and ensure that it, it's safe because mm-hmm. he, he's worried that the forces of death or whoever – and we're going to head uh, in that direction and try to try to reclaim it. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea that the Order of Vizier keeps files on all its yep. prisoners as like, oh, might be useful, sure. you know. It's yeah. the reason they keep somebody a prisoner instead of execution. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, this guy gets really good back rubs. I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely listed as an asset here for sure. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, and so he comes in. He's got a, a, this, this bodyguard of this um, shorter, like stockier woman, but like sh- she's like ripped and can barely like – fit in her armor in like a strong way um mm-hmm. and so like between the two of them they're, they're quite an imp- imposing pair um but she sees the writing on the wall no she doesn't it's pitch black she can't see anything um but she realizes that maybe this is her only opportunity to get out of out of, out of dodge and heck maybe there's a chance that she'll be able to escape later um so she agrees i can't remember if there's any more co- any more coercion than that but um she's smart enough to know you know yeah. Her body. Smart enough to know where the DM wants to send her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she knows where the, the, the story hooks are headed. Um, and so they do that. Uh, no, so they, they they leave her in jail for a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, and then they come back, pick her up, uh, and they, they head out, um, leaving Lethus. Honestly, this is not the extent of where we, we spend our time in Lethus. We don't really get to see much of it. Um, no. They... Uh, then are int- well. I guess who are who are they introduced to next? What's what's their mode of transportation? Because they they need to um, journey into Shyesh into the, the deeper into the the wilds. I suppose it's a mechanical and, spider. Uh, it, it's not a, a hospitable land. Apparently, they need they need a, a set of wheels. Paul, tell me about it. So the it is referenced as a mechanical spider, but then clarified that it is basically this walking hand. Right? If you were to take a like classical fantasy trope of having a hand, a phantasmical hand, but make it a mechano arcane engineered. Got it in hand. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would definitely come up to this idea of uh, a mode of transportation. Uh, it, it's kind of an interesting way that he describes it when he describes it to be just the digits moving around and it's got a very kind of creepy way of walking. So we are introduced to this tiny compressed human that drops out in like covered in oil and dust uh and introduced is introduced to us as master boros yeah hard of hearing which he solves by like jamming a thing with hooks into oh, his yeah, ear which that's is creepy good well, it's like, it's like, well it's like an audio phone that he literally or what is it what is that called the the trump ear trumpet like yes, that he yeah, literally ear trumpet, swivels yeah. into think his- of an ear trumpet that has like fish hooks on it or yeah something like that. I'm like, why, why <laughs> is that necessary they all don't yeah <laughs> Uh, and basically, the implication is that the land that they are in is way too dangerous to travel across. Sure. Uh, so this is introduced as quote a safe mode of transportation across this area. Quote who? Well, I mean to quote Varen. So uh, 
they're introduced to Master Boros, and then they all climb inside this mechano-engineered hand. Yep. Into it. Takes off. It's a very lurching, unpleasant experience. Yeah. Loud. Uh, Boilers. Steam. It it takes a while. Um, You know, the, the, the show of how tough you are is just how long it takes you to become extremely nauseated by (laughs) violently ill so and it's not if it's when right right it starts out and you're like oh cool the the bodyguard she's she's hanging in there Mm -hmm. by the end even she's like ready to rolf so that there was in it stated that it was like oh maybe this will take six days but it took like eight or nine it took forever to cross this barren land um and everybody's uncomfortable except for master boros he, he lives for this nonsense. Apparently. Yeah. Um, he's just super excited about his invention. This is Cheerfully apparently the oblivious. first of its kind. Yeah. Uh, he wants to deploy it in thousands to the free guild of, as a wonderful mode of transportation, defensible, every, like, basically, you, you get a used car salesman, they'll do everything, right? Like, basically what we have here, so. He slaps the side of it and says, you can fit so many adventuring parties in this baby. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and so they're... They they make the they make the trip um, mm-hmm. barely um, as they uh, sort of reach their destination is all come sort of tumbling and piling out mm-hmm. uh, sick to the gills green green in the gills um, uh, and trying to recover for it but they they end up in this sort of outpost uh, coastal town mm-hmm. um, called mm, Sorrow Point I want to say yep. that, that feels right um, this is described pretty pretty well yeah. uh, uh, it's basically built into a cliffside if I'm not mistaken. Um, it is just this gloomy, dark, depressing area. Um, so then why would they call it Sorrow Point? I don't know. It feels like it's a fitting name to me. I don't know. Uh, but they have this intricate network of nets and hooks on the harbor itself. Um, and apparently there are undead that climb out of this ocean and try and attack the city. And so they basically have clogged them up into this, like, yeah, row of bodies. I like this. This feels very practical in like the Walking Dead sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where like, yeah, I mean, like they don't, they can't think about. Like, we're not talking about bone reapers that are you know cognizant thinking. We're talking about automatons. So, yeah, some nets that'll sure. do the trick. Yeah. I mean, just need to slow them down. Like somebody's watching. We'll take him out eventually. Yeah, uh, and so that is lining the harbor, and then the harbor itself is filled with all these ships. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we are introduced to this Dwarden captain. Oh man, he has a name. <laughs> A-load. Allode. 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 Uh, David, tell me about it. Um, he is, uh, in the style of, as they sometimes like to do in these, is like, this guy's kind of like grungy and gross and whatever, like he's rough and tumble, but he has this, uh, steamship that is, um, Really, uh, like the, the the people looking at it are like, I don't. Is that going to manage to go twenty yards? Much less, you know, as far as we need to go. Like it, it's like a rusty bathtub. Ramshackle, I think, is a is a, a good word for it. Um, but uh, I think he's kind of like a little bit of a little bit of, of a pirate, a little bit of a privateer mm-hmm. um, on this. But uh, that's that's what they need to cross this uh, cross this sea. So sure. so they're making for the Latchkey Isle, right? Like yeah, I guess we haven't talked head. about it. Yeah, where, where, where are they headed? Uh, so the Latchkey Isle is an underworld. Um, and No. Uh, it is in a dangerous place, obviously, as every MacGuffin <laughs> basically is. And so they need to hire this specific captain because he can get them there. 
right? Uh, is the idea. And so Chev is very thankful to be landing on the decks of this boat out of that stupid hand and finally to be rid of it. And lo and behold, what happens, but the hand itself is lowered onto the ship itself. And Master Boros is now accompanying them. And uh, yeah, that was a rather amusing moment for me. Like and then and like he's barking orders to all like the other Dwarden who he's like no you got to package it up just right like that thing is super delicate obviously uh-huh. um, and we're gonna stow it on the ship um, that raised no red flags for me at the time <laughs> while reading it, it it did not occur to me that that would have any importance any later whatsoever oh, of course not are yeah. you being sarcastic no no not at all oh, really? no, I, I did, I'm just like I don't know yeah sure I mean the guy's protective of his of his hand uh, <laughs> reminiscent of the thing from the Adams family. I don't know. If, I don't know if now is where I'll leave it in, or maybe. I don't know maybe. if I've already referenced this. <laughs> yeah, it's up, it's up to future me. It's up to yeah. Oh God! Um, and so they do. They set. They set off. Uh, this ship crewed by a bunch of Duarden and their Duarden captain. Um, yeah. Heading off for this this Latchkey Isle, uh, the home of of the phylactery that they're they're after. Um, they go. They're they're sailing for a while um they think that it'll, it's only gonna be a matter of days it doesn't seem like it's gonna be a particularly long trip mm-hmm. um but a couple of days in uh correct me if i'm wrong i, I believe she, everyone like chev is starting to like miss the land a little bit because this this trip is almost as bad as the, the hand trip yeah um just because of the nature of the the less than desirable uh transportation uh method um but as they're sort of uh traveling she notices that she's not the only one who's who's not seeming all that well but uh, as she spends more time with the witch hunter varen she, she's sort of getting the impression that like he, he's taking it a little hard too like she, she noticed it in the hand where everyone was sort of getting sick but even on the ship it seems like he's kind of, his health is kind of deteriorating a yeah. little bit um he's, he's fading um he's not, not as strong as he used to be and so that obviously raises an eyebrow for grasping for at a satchel yeah oh yeah yep. at, at this point we probably realize that he's he's got something t- clutched close to his chest i want that's probably nothing it's no, probably no big deal. Not. um but it's around this time that uh the ship is rocked and the crew lets out a call and apparently we are under attack because you just can't travel these dangerous seas without without someone knocking on your boat door this is a little unclear to me exactly how this is happening it sounded like uh skeletal assailants are like climbing up through the mechanisms like through the yeah, they were coming mechanisms. in through the propulsion through the engine yeah. um yeah. but were they swimming like how did they get to the top of the sea i think the implication was that no one could do it because they have to breathe but they, because they don't have to breathe they can fit into the bilge pump they can fit into the propulsion system which consisted of a large cistern of water who could have anticipated certainly not experienced uh, privateers, Dwarf and sailors. Oh, of course like, not. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, these aren't necessarily the mindless skeletons, but rather they were mm-hmm. sort of under direction and Fair. and uh, orders from a focusing point, which is to say, this necromancer mm-hmm. uh, atop a giant sea leviathan creature. The word kraken's not used, but I, I got some of that yeah. Im- impression. Um, but it's for sure dead. Yeah. Slash undead. Yeah. <laughs> Not alive. Check. Um, but yeah, so the, the boat, the boat is attacked. Skeletons coming up out of nowhere. Rusty weapons. Uh, necromancer on a giant leviathan. Tentacles all over the place. Paul wants to say something so bad. Is this a heart cracking? I don't know. What do you think? There's nothing to say that it isn't. Perfect. I mean, gl- gl- and there's Paul to say that it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, a heart cracking is a sky, right, thing. We've heard oh, about no, this in the Caradron Overlord. 
but it's something that's dead, so we don't know if, like, this doesn't specifically reference that it is a, a sea kraken. Uh, it is just this thing with tons of tentacles. I think it's a wibble-wobble nonsense monster. Fair. Yeah. Uh, but if you know what a heart kraken is, something like that. Okay. Right? I suppose. Yeah. Um, no need for it to be. It could just be a water monster. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah. So the now that the ship has some defenses, there's like fore and aft, I don't know, guns. And they're not harpoon guns, but they're, they're, they're firing on the on the – the monster, they're trying to fire on the necromancer, but the, the monster is defending it. People are getting stabbed left and right by rusty weapons uh, from the skeletons. Things are not looking good um, for both the crew of the ship, but then also our party. But fortunately, let's bring it back to what we were just talking about. Master Boros says, wait, wait. oh. There's a solution at hand? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you got to hand it to him. Uh, he had <laughs> some forethought. And he's like, I, I got just the some thing for this. Thought. Yeah. Uh, open her up. Uh, let's let's get it back in that hand. And he's excited. He's he's jazzed. Um, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't lead with this actually. Yeah. Uh, and they they fire up the old Mechano Arcanum hand. Uh, it un- un- unfurls and they uh, drive it into the sea. Yeah. He has some moments where he's like, "That's ah, probably not going to work. We're probably going to drown." But, sure. You know, like it's what else? Pretty, it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. My, Theoretically, my invention might be, work. Yeah. Better than being stabbed, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, and they, they it, I think it it runs to the edge of the ship and does like a, like a hop, skip, and a jump. Like it's yeah. a weird leap into the ocean. Also, let's be clear that the necromancer was targeting the witch hunter. Yes. Oh, was that what, the, right? what it was? Yeah. Okay. There is definitely a oh hey you, I want you, and that to was want the, me. Yeah. Sure. And that was not happening. Uh, and then they got in the hand and escaped and leave this <laughs> ship to its doom, basically. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, we got we got this like other mode of transportation. For what it's worth, I think the captain was already dead at this point. Yeah, so right. like yeah. everybody else didn't even have a name. So, so was he really wearing cool. a red shirt or did I miss No, that? everyone else no, was wearing a red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the the hand leaps into the sea. It turns out it is uh, a submersible. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and all waterproof. He he pounds the side, sides. He's like, oh yeah, I didn't expect this to hold. I, I expected yeah. a trickle, but nope, that's uh, pretty good. Which I, I guess is the explanation for why they didn't just do this in the first place. Yeah, like, I suppose. Why was this not always the plan? Mm. No one here has an answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Touche. Uh, and and they head off. And I don't know if they needed the captain to get to the aisle, like. Did they always know where it was? Whatever. Nick Horth, you're cool. I'm, we're yeah. cool. Uh, and they, they... They definitely had an idea of what was going on, right? And I think there might be something to be revealed later that helped the witch hunter to figure out where they were going. And this is definitely something that was talked about earlier. It's like, oh, no, we're going. We're good. I know where we're going, hmm. right? No, no, no. This is the direction that we need to go. Uh, that was mentioned a couple times, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And even uh, if it wasn't, we I can pretend that it was because that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, given what we know about the book, um, and so they ride the hand in a no less more comfortable underwater. Uh, yeah, underwater, uh, not a more comfortable ride in any that the 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 soothing tides do not lull yeah. them to sleep, but it's still just a, a bouncy, uh, rough r- uh, ride. Um, but they, I guess, make it to the island. There's nothing else to say really. They just mm-hmm. hit ashore yeah. uh, and climb they on out. Wham! Oh, we're here. <laughs> oh, we're here. Yeah, I found right. it. Um, it's a montage where they, they overlay a, a C map and it shows you the dot, 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 until they hit the X and then the, where they're at. There's just this really crawling hand across the map. Well, I like to think it's more of an octopus that does one of these. I like to think it's a spider. Well, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm an, this is, we we do great know radio. this like, cool thing has got a, a like volley gun attached to it, which blows away a bunch of skeletons. Yeah, 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 they like true. close ranks to defend the, the necromancer. Mm-hmm. 
there apparently is a lot of storage in this thing as well. Uh, there's there are other things that end up coming out of it later <laughs> that were not necessarily uh, talked about before. So it is not just a tr- means of transportation. It, it's it's basically like a tank. A tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it literally what I was gonna say it's it's it is a very defensible, submergible, <laughs> submergible. mobile tank, yeah. uh, and and so it is living up to the reputation that Master Boros was giving it. Despite in the all introduction, odds. despite all odds, yeah. yeah, they end up on this island uh, of a sort. Uh, it basically sounds like they've hit a shelf, and the shelf is in shallow water. And then they come upon this just giant sheer tower of rock. I think is the best way to put it. it doesn't seem constructed. Uh, it seems more of a natural feature, but no seams, no grips, no nothing. Hmm. Inscriptions, and, though. Yeah, inscriptions. And Varen pronounces this the latchkey aisle. Sure looks like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about these inscriptions. Uh, so the inscriptions are written in a language that nobody can understand. Uh, but Did as you say nobody? Nobody. Man, God, why, they're going to have to turn around and go home then. Exactly. Uh, Game over. And Varen is convinced that Chev is going to be able to fix this problem, right? Uh, Master Boros first goes at it with this like explosive that he pulls out of the hand somehow. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> he does nothing. He's like, this will blow up a whole city gate. And it does absolutely nothing. Not a mark whatsoever. Because it wasn't a city gate. It wasn't mm-hmm. a city gate. You're absolutely right. Right. You know, right, right exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and as they are looking at it, uh, Shev starts to have these words form in her mind. And she starts to recite a phrase uh, she makes a reference to a figure called the prince of cats and as she recites this phrase there is an opening that appears within this sheer tower if i knew the cats musical better this is where i'd make a cat's joke but i don't memories something <laughs> yeah. something mr mistopheles is that him is no, that a thing in there yeah Nice. I, I got nothing. Sorry. Nice. I don't know. You're. A, I feel like you're our, our yeah, musical guy. I yeah. Paul was the guy. Edgy Lord Weber. I don't know. Fair. Ooh. If it was a fan of the opera, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, at any rate, phrase spoken. Prince of Cats acknowledged, mm-hmm. uh, and a passage opens up in this cliff face. Yeah. And they're able to enter the the thieves the, the underworld. Yeah. The latchkey latchkey right. aisle. Yeah. Uh, and so this is our first glimpse of this underworld. And the Latchkey Isle has been described as the thieves' paradise. So it is the underworld for good thieves, right? So not morally good, but those who have given their devotion to this deity that is the Prince of Cats. Mm. And so it is an underworld devoted to larceny and theft and... Uh, Second story, men. Yeah, one thing that I like. Yeah. I really like that phrase. Yeah, I don't uh, even. What does that mean? People are going to break into the second floor. Yeah, yep. cool. gotta gotta be able to climb. So uh, basically, again, rapscallions. Right, this is a paradise for rapscallions. How many more words can we come up with that apply to? The, I don't don't <laughs> later. I tell you what, listeners, send us in uh, more great uh, thief related terms. <laughs> uh, and so this is paradise for chef. Right? Uh, up until this point, she is constantly just looking for escape, just looking for escape, just looking for escape. The tower opens up, they walk in, and it is every gorgeous, beautiful, intricate 
incredibly constructed building that you can imagine that somebody would look up to the top and say, I bet somebody rich lives there mm-hmm. and I think I can break it. That's basically what my understanding of what yeah, this was. Yeah, it's just chock full of targets. Like, you're just walking down there. It's palaces and, and castles yeah. and... Mm-hmm. I mean, From every age, and- every... Like, so this is a... This is an old underworld, right? Um, so that was the first thing that struck me, is that this is not a current underworld. Is like, just showed up 100 years ago. This has been in existence for thousands upon thousands of years. Probably, I mean, for no other reason, because, like, it seems like it's not the oldest profession. Mm-hmm. But it's probably one of the oldest professions, right? Like it's one of the like oldest. So you can envision envision a scenario where, like, yeah, like history's thieves uh, like aspire to go here. And as they approach this, Chev starts to get this feeling of freedom, this feeling of adventure, and to what's going on. And me too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I want to go rob some buildings. Who doesn't? I mm, okay. Don't. That's. I'm just kidding. That's just. <laughs> I'm here right now. I guess I'm going to do this one. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this building that I could take home. I, okay. Well, watch out for the traps. And <laughs> and think of anyone you know in this world who, who would be more likely to trap their stuff than me, right? Yeah. Like this guy. Yeah, yeah. I dare you to try. So as they're exploring this 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 underworld full of you know magnificent uh, buildings and structures and, and things like that, they come across. So yeah. Do you mind if I just give? Yeah, one I thing do here? mind. No, I'm just kidding. I do not mind. So they enter this underworld, and then Varen starts to say, oh, no, it's over here, right? He's starting to have this unerring sense of direction, which is an odd thing because everything is kind of reshaping and moving as they're walking through it. Uh, but we have Master Boros, Taviat, Varen, and Shev entering into this underworld as live people, and Varen somehow has this compass, and we started to understand at this point that the thing that's in his sack is a book. Hmm. And this is starting to, I don't know. Shed some light on that, like, things aren't on the up and up with our, our Borg. Yeah. Bear, and he yeah. keeps seem, Progressively seeming seeming worse. like, sicker and mm. keeps blowing it off, you know. Yeah. Either, either him specifically, either him specifically or his bodyguard being like, don't worry about it, it's not your problem. Or he, like, threatens, you know, puts his hand on his pistol and says... Mind your own business, you know, thief. Yeah. yeah. Direct, direct, direct quote. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's not really good at uh, dialogue. Yeah. Not a great leader. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but they, they follow his lead um, into the, into this, this city, I guess you'd call it, full of these amazing structures. And they do come across these two, uh, I'll use the word characters. The, they uh, come across these creatures that they've never seen before. They are um, described as Caco sphinxes, which is weird because they literally just previewed a different sphinx type thing, and that is not what these are. That's not what they are. Yeah. Yep. Uh, You guys got to put your heads together. They go into this plaza, and Mm. there is a wall. They can't go any further, right? And these caco sphinx are statues. They're absolutely beautiful statues of these gorgeous feline features. So, bite of a cat, head of a person. Exactly. And so, it is exactly the miniature that we see. But the heads are people instead, at least to me, to my understanding. You're talking about like and there was a male, or? no, the the uh, oh the new one. I'm the, talking about the oh, Warcry one, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a male and a female, uh, and there are these statues that are standing there and just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and as they approach, they start to come to life. Sure. What do they talk about? I kind of forget. What they're talking about is just. Well, hi, you're alive, and you're in our underworld. What's going on? That's weird. Yeah. 
we haven't seen some of you in a while, and they keep talking about how bored they are with Varen and Taviat and Master Boros, but they keep looking at Chef and they're like, you're kind of interesting. And they're like, we should just get rid of you because you're not supposed to be here. And then all of a sudden, the floor starts disappearing. And they both said, okay. Yeah, <laughs> basically. We are, but men. <clears throat> yes. Uh, and the floor disappears and they fall into this like Whoa. extraneous shoot. Yeah. You know, they fall far slide. enough that it should kill them. They should, but it doesn't. Yeah. And they end up splashing down. And uh, is it, and are, do they end up in this? Is it a subterranean cavern type thing? This is where I was sort of lost in the description a yeah, little bit. I, mean, I know they fall through the ground mm-hmm. to where? Like, where logically, they logically, they should be subterranean. Mm-hmm. And somebody says something to that effect. They're like, oh, we should be way underground. And somebody else is like, but physics don't necessarily apply here. <laughs> so who knows where we're at? You know? Yeah. Direct quote. I think they even look out mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, now it kind of looks like we're up in the air or whatever. Yeah. So they. Everything's all topsy turvy. They appear to be in a passage that is high above a city, mm-hmm. even though they are completely underground. And Varen points to a tower in the middle of the city and he's like, there. That's where That's we gotta it. be. But the interesting thing is that Chev looks at it and goes, that's got to be where we're going before he points it out. So there's some like Chev is starting to have some sense of direction and what's going on in this underworld. And so her suspicion is verified by Varen, mm. even though she didn't, didn't say it out loud. So we're starting to have some changing of the guard here as far as who knows what's going on and how well. Yep. Um, and, and they it, set off yeah, heading towards this thing and they're going across a, very big bridge and it's got these flagstones some of them are big they appear to be interlocking and this is where and they know that they're specifically going into a uh, thieves paradise underworld where it is like you gotta solve all these traps and go and so like as a reader like well obviously like something is a gonna be a pressure plate here like i know where you're i know where you're going when you die yeah yeah (laughs) uh Uh, Tomorrow. And, uh, oh, oh, no. Rough. Uh, and then, unsurprisingly, somebody steps... Or actually, Chev steps on something, and she, like, with her elven or, you know, whatever treasure hunter senses, realizes, like, I felt a slight vibration, and throws herself clear, and the whole thing dissolves into a bunch of, like, spinning... You know, all of a sudden, instead of being a bridge, it's a bunch of, like, floating platforms. Uh, basically. A, a they platformer got a, video game puzzle. Yeah, they got a Super Mario, this <laughs> thing, across. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. And they do, no, but so they, they, they realize that they have to get across this bridge, right? And so they, they make mm-hmm. the attempt, but it becomes very clear that, like, I mean, Varen's in no condition to do so. No. T- Taviat is, is not a, a graceful gal. Yeah. Um, and so they're having, obviously, trouble. People are, you know, at, the, at some Boros point. like hanging upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Someone gets knocked by, by <laughs> another platform, and they're about to fall out or fall off to their doom, and things are looking very dire. Uh, but when out of nowhere, uh, undead thief spider-man appears because um, <laughs> what isn't he shooting like hookshot like ropes and yeah, stuff to is, people yeah, yeah. Hookshot. i mean uh, you could go with undead thief zelda i mean he's okay, got the hookshot sure. he got the hookshot that's true this um, is a video game so. yeah at any rate um so this this guy comes out of nowhere and starts saving them and and ferrying those who can't make it across themselves across the other side of this bridge i think yeah. Chev obviously can do it by herself right does she she, she does it okay does. she yeah. does she not very gracefully like she, it's possible yeah. right? like, like she doesn't have the confidence you just gotta believe in yourself um uh, and she like makes a jump and she's like i gotta do this perfectly and it's then, a leap of faith kind of thing she yeah. like jumps and she yep. doesn't do it perfectly i'm like well by your logic you should be dead nope but she like Hits the edge, ouch, that hurts. I'm hanging on. She makes it away, mm. all the way across. But she's like, 
what about my friends and this new person who turns out to be uh, Jacques Ville Grancier, Grey Jacques. I'm so glad the- that you had to say it and I didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grey Jacques is like, yeah, let's let's get going. She's like, I really shouldn't turn back on my friends. And he's like, well, what are you going to do about it? She's like, I can't do anything. He's like, okay, well, I'll just save them all. And so he, <laughs> zoop, zoop, zoop. he jumps back and saves them all, which is okay. Um, so then they're all. <laughs> More than okay. Super okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay from a storytelling perspective. It was weird to have this, like, for me, it was weird to have this character who just popped in and like, I'm going to solve all your problems. <laughs> I did it for you. Yeah. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the main character of this story now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is an interesting introduction to me because this is a dead character, right? Yeah. We don't know that initially, right? Like it's not you can you you might have made that guess. It mm-hmm. takes a little while to you know kind of sort that out. Yeah, but, they, yeah, they do it introductions you, after the fact. But this, yeah. this is an underworld where and where that has like a specific population that's catering to, and this mm-hmm. is one of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is this. This undead person, right? This ghost, the spirit, is not under the control of Nagash, right? He is living in his heaven or hell, you know, whatever you call it, right? So, this is the first example that I think that we've seen where we're introduced to a specific character who is living, enjoying, and breathing, you know, as it were, in their underworld. Uh, so that was a cool, like this Certainly. specifically was a very cool moment for me. Yeah. Uh, because you get to meet a character who lived their life believing that this is what's going to happen to them. And when they died, this is what happened to them. And he turns into this like very um, happy, jovial character with this slightly morose tinge because he has this understanding that Nagash is coming. Yeah, right? think of Ghost Errol Flynn, right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Swashbuckler right? to the to the hilt. And it was a really cool moment to have a character that was introduced and dead to give you really a great understanding of what this setting is. And I'm surprised cool. it took us so long. I'm not saying he's the first one because I haven't read everything, obviously. But like, it's the first one I think that I've read. And I'm surprised it took me so long to come across a character, like an example of what it means to live and, and exist. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I mean, we, not even Tamara. Like that, she yeah. was alive and she was dealing she with like was. her skeleton brother. Yeah. But that's not exactly the same thing. But we see her when she's alive, yeah. and yeah. then see her continue her quest when she's dead. This person is completely dead, completely living of their own will, completely enjoying unlife. Right, like. This is a fully realized character. Yeah, and what what didn't occur to me is the 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 how hard it was to differentiate when you're in an underworld who is dead and who it, like who isn't. The fact that like they didn't know until they were basically told, mm-hmm. and I guess we as the audience as well, um, that like he had to introduce himself for them mm-hmm. to re- sort of realize that he was a dead guy there. Like he very yeah. well could have been alive for all they knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and that's that's the concept that really intrigues me, right? Like because. That's where you have the idea of the dead and the undead living together. And maybe nobody knows. Mass hysteria. Right? Like, this is where the idea of the dead and the undead, the, the, the living and the undead, living and the dead, living in harmony, totally makes sense. Right? This guy is, and I'm going to use again, uh, the definition of a rapscallion, right? But he's just loving everything that's going on and enjoying everything. And he's happy. Right? And how rare is it that you come across a happy character in any of these books? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, right? The first ha- actual genuinely happy character that we have, and he's dead mm-hmm. and loving it. 
Well, and for and like and immortal, no less. That comes up pretty like throughout the book. There's different points where he's like, "Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I can do that because I can't die. Like you, you don't have. I mean, because I'm all, I, I'm all yeah. that which is dead can never die. Yeah. Uh, but like you guys actually have something, you know, to to live for. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say that like he's 100 percent reckless. Like, oh, he, no. he makes a point a number of times as we as we go through. Like, hey, like yeah, but if I fall into a you know buzzsaw it super hurts still hurts yeah Yeah, i don't want that like no thank you and then paul lose i think he makes the reference to that like they they sort of realize that this maybe can't last forever like it's pretty well hidden that's the very nature Mm -hmm. of this this thief's paradise right is that it's a hard nut to crack but no one's under the illusion that like um it's an inevitability that it'll persist especially what's what's going on with the rest of the realm and we see that as it progresses like you know the next day they they move on once he's rescued everybody they move on uh along this pathway along the bridge and they come to like you know the the uh, city proper or the complex proper uh and in in the um progress of that in the um they there's a shadow kind of passes over and everything becomes very melancholy like mm. it, it's everything from like um, his attitude and just the general feel of it. Like it's a sunny day where a cloud comes over, but not just a cloud, but like a cloud that brings a with gloom. it like a spiritual, yeah. you know, foreboding. And that, that is the idea of that. Like Nagash is circling, like this is mm-hmm. going to be mine soon. Yeah. Coming for you. Well, even like they talk about how they're bird singing and like, you know, like you hear this like active, beautiful, everything. And when the cloud comes it's silent, mm-hmm. right. Sand. Just nothing. So, uh, they eventually make their way to this tower, right, where they know that this chamber exists. One of like a thousand, though, no less, right? Because mm-hmm, yeah. full of traps. They know it is the, the the tower of a thousand doors. Is that what but, it's called? Yeah, but even as they as they arrive at the base of the city, Varen's like, there it is, and there's like this obvious kind of you know light filled structure at the top of a tower or something like that. And he's he's, he's saying like that's where we need to be. Mm. Um, and even Chev, I think, is like, yeah, it seems like a you know pretty boss place to be. So like, mm-hmm. we should it, we should hit that up. The, well, the video game highlight of my destination, like the arrow is pointing me there. At this point, I think we know that the book that Varon is holding onto is a tome. Yeah, and the tome is the tome of a character called, I believe, Valagar. Yes. Sorry, that's important. First among the Amethyst Arch- Archmage? I don't know. Uh, so we know that this is a Tome of Valagar, and we are seeking out the phylactery of Valagar. So there's some connection there that we know. Like, Varen is seeking this thing. He's getting some kind of direction or, or something from this tome. Mm. Um, and he is getting more and more sick, more and more wild and uncontrolled. Yeah, it hits this point a lot. Like, there's no way you're going to miss this. It's not subtle. Like, yeah. Oh, is he, is he just not feeling, he's not feeling good? I mean, every time it comes back to him, like, oh, he looks like he can barely walk or whatever, like uh, it. Oh, know, but he keeps walking. Yeah. Uh, and then he can barely walk again. Though, yeah. You know? um, yeah. They approach this tower mm-hmm. uh, and as it, like sort of things get worse and worse, like in terms of Varen's declining health, they do end up approaching this tower and it's is not. Is it Varen's spire? Uh, I hope so. It should be. Um, and. Not only is there this, this, the, sh- the shadow <laughs> that's sort of descending, there's also a, a thick fog kind of rolls through the city as they're navigating this, I don't know if city's the word, but this this place. And as they're sort of approaching, they realize that it's a it's a pretty trapped area and they have to be careful and they're making this slow approach. Um, but what comes out of the fog um, but 
a bunch of skelly dudes again out of nowhere. How did they, did they come up through the bilge pumps again? I don't know. Um, but it turns out they've been tracked by that necromancer Kraus from before. Yeah. There's a little bit of a weird moment here where they're preceded by this smell of like awful rottingness. Mm-hmm. So I was like, here come the zombie. Nope. The There's bone, bone guys. Skeleton. Clean, okay. dry bone yeah, yeah. Um, being attacked. Um, but I don't know if they're dry. I think that was the idea is they're underwater, so they smell musty. And mm. like, it, it did specifically reference that they had like barnacles and seaweed yep. on them. So you you knew that it was these ones. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, so now I look like the dumb one. Uh, just like we planned it. <laughs> As Nailed it. Always. Um, but they realized that, all right, well, so they have to like navigate and, and avoid – and fight their way through this skeleton army with mm-hmm. the necromancer there because they, they're basically on the cusp of this tower and they're trying to, to get inside. And so they bum rush the door. They're fighting skeletons left and right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Greyjock um, thinks that he can un- like pick this lock basically um, to get into, into the tower. <laughs> this is a fun moment. And it's got a bunch of different like components. And so he's, he's you know, got three different locks. Yeah, he's got picks going on. Different pins and, and picks like, and yeah. things. And at one point he says, hey, shit, come over here, put your hand right here. Do not move. Um <laughs> Uh, Don't be bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, under threat of death for everybody. And yeah. so she, she's sitting there. She can feel the tension, and so she's you know sweating as he's he's picking one lock with one hand, and then he's picking another lock with another hand. Ambidextrous lock picking picking over here. Yeah. Um, but Whistling all the while. Yeah, he's having himself. a great time, yeah. living the dream. As Varen and and Master Boros etc. are fighting off this necromancer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not very well. I might. I might no, they're, they're getting not, overwhelmed. Not very well. But they eventually do end up opening the door. And fall through, right? Yeah, and uh, to- things things get real bad. Right? Yeah, like it, it gets it gets bad, bad times. There's something where she, uh, in desperation, like grabs Varen. Yeah, and like just dives through this door. Yeah, because they get separated from everybody. And, else. and it's clear like uh, Boros mm-hmm. and Centaviat are you know going to be overcome, and so she's like, I you know we got to get out of here like this big crazy necro flame thing is is getting thrown around mm-hmm. and so she like dodges under one of those in the process of diving out of there with Varen. yeah so this necromancer like he is some like hot stuff like he is an overwhelming force so the necromancer is so your guy then yeah well i'm just saying like it, there is no chance of Varen fighting him off mm-hmm. they they tried on the ship failed miserably right they tried in this underworld and just failing miserably and the necromancer starts shouting at Varen about how he will not give up his seat, right? He will not give up his power. So there is definitely at this point very clearly this rivalry going on between Varen and this necromancer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and Varen seems woefully unprepared for this eventual duel. Sure. W- but for the time being, though, they've escaped. Shev and Varen yep. have escaped into the tower um, with the necromancer sort of hot, hot on their mm-hmm. heels. As they enter into this tower, mm. they are forced to flee into one of the doors. Yeah, basically. One uh, of the thousand doors of this tower of a thousand doors. So Varen and Shev fall, and they end up on this just cold ice shelf, mm-hmm. as it were. Uh, and there is no exit except for a door like halfway up the wall. Yeah, this weird ice cylinder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Shev notices like a little trickle down the wall. Sure. Yeah. That, surely that's not. That's relevant. weird. Well, yeah. no, her name is Shev, not Shirley. Um, but uh, <laughs> they, she realizes, all right, well, we need to get 
to that door, and there's a there's a time limit, right? This place is melting down or, mm-hmm. around us because of the trickle. Well, and she looks down in the ice, and she sees an eye. Yeah, big old, big old something under the ice. There. Yeah, maybe it's a heart cracking. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Full and so, circle. So basically, she has to you know drag this almost comatose Varen across the ice shelf and try to get him up up this ice cliff yeah, thing right. up to the door um all the while the ice is sort of cracking around the, the big you know the big booming like ice cracking sounds yeah. that you hear um they're trying to you know find foot handholds up this she's wall. using your dagger as an impromptu ice pick, ice pick i'm not yep. sure how varin is going up it doesn't get super into that but, like she's, well, she's healthy and she's, desperate she's, she's got she's him in her teeth actually <laughs> but at, at one point like she loses her grip and he grabs onto her and somehow somehow like keeps her from falling you know Real quick, Desperate you know. strength. Yeah, right. He's just yeah. using his pistol. Um, but anyway, uh, like eventually the ice all melts. The creatures down below eyeing them with his, you know, meter long teeth. Um, and, but they are able. It's a, it's a, it's a tight thing. But they're able to eventually climb up the the ice shelf, uh, make their way to the exit door, roll on out of there, um, and they find themselves in this tower uh, with sort of a, a spiral staircase up to infinity. Um, Flanked by uh, thousands and thousands of these of these doors, Varen mm-hmm. still in really rough shape, and they they are able to take a breather for a hot second, and they find themselves amongst all these these doors because it's a tower of a, a thousand doors. Um, and Shev does some exploring a little bit while Varen, I think, sleeps or recovers, something. Recovers, yeah, I he's think, recovering yeah. from yeah. The, the attack. Yeah, yeah. Sleep is not the word. Recovers <laughs> yeah. from from the attack and as she's walking through and she sees all this wide range of widely disparate types of doors made of different materials and sizes gorgeous and beautiful inquis- like exquisite yeah. designs and everything and i don't know if we glossed over this but like at one like initially he's like you fled you cowered you're trying to you know get me farther away from my prize mm-hmm. uh and she kind of talks him out of it and it's helped by the fact that he's so like spent Delirious. and wasted yeah and so she's walking through these doors, yep. inspecting them, and she eventually comes to this door. Well, she's, she's like, she's like, there must be, you know, I know I'm on Thieves Paradise. Like, yep. there, there is some logic to this. Like, there's something I must be missing. If it were random, it wouldn't be a paradise because right, nobody right. wants to exactly. deal with like, the randomness. It's, it's a puzzle. I'm supposed to be able to solve this. So she sits down. It's like I got to think about this. Sets, I mean, she gets frustrated, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, I'm just not be able to figure this out. Sits down. Clonks back against this door, and ow, something poked my head. Turns around, and it is a uh, a gem that is known as cat's eye. There actually is one of these. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. this actually exists, but this one is blue uh, in, uh-huh. in our in our reality. It's uh, <laughs> amber and amber and black, but anyway. like an actual cat's eye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Horst, what are you doing? Come on, man. <laughs> you get a anyway. Yeah, it's fine. So she's like, "This is it, right? Yep. I know this is it. Prince of Cats, Cat's Eye. This is the door." So she goes back to get Varen, and he's still passed out, right? Yeah. Recovering from what's going well, on. He's like kneeling on. and appears to be praying or something. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. And the book has fallen out. Mm-hmm. And so Shev picks up the book and opens it up, and it's just complete gibberish. She can't understand it whatsoever, right? And she keeps looking at it, and eventually the words start to make sense. And then she starts to hear this voice in her head. And she becomes taken over by the the spirit that's in this tome itself. Yeah, it's clearly rifling through her thoughts. Yeah, it has a conversation like a uh, almost dismissive, like "Hey, you're you're nothing." You yeah, know, but second time that she's had a disembodied voice in her head. I might add. Yes, she's, but, she's got a type. 
This one's a little uh, negative, though. Yeah. Uh, a little. <laughs> well, they all can't be winners. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, just look at us. And she's basically descending into this, like, just complete control by this voice. And Varen walks over and just smacks her, right? And, like, I want the book. Yeah. Thief. Right? Yeah, thief. Like, he's not, no attempt to save her, but rather he's trying to no. reclaim his, like, his, his book. Yeah. And in the process, knocks her through one of the random doors that is yeah. not the door that she needs to go through. Yep. And they're falling, falling, falling as they go through this door and... She splashes down in icy, brackish, awful water, mm-hmm. you know, terrible, but managed to, like, struggle her way to shore. Okay. Uh, as she's going through, there's this weird chunk of rusted metal, and then this, um, you know, it looks like there's some hole in the wall. So, But it's this gorgeous, beautiful treasure, like... A, a thief's ran like a king's ransom and treasure just scattered along everywhere. There is also this piece of rusted metal and this hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. And she continues to. And it's out. not just a hole in the wall, but it's like a hewn hole in the wall. Like she yeah. makes it a point to be like, well, this is not carved the same way than any of these other holes or structures or directions have been. Like it's, there's a inelegance to it. Um, it looks like it maybe it was drilled out, perhaps. Um, something, something's amiss. Yeah. Uh, but she she makes her way down this tunnel because where else are you going to go? There's a tunnel and uh, there's a light at it at the end of it. So I'm going to mm, check it she out. She literally has nowhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, so as she's sneaking, sneaking down this tunnel, uh, she finds, I guess, a lair is maybe a good term for it. Um, there's bones. Again, more and more treasure piled up. But then there's also some like arcano mechanical um uh, structures and machinery down there, but not like what we've been talking about, but it's very uh, ramshackle and, and sort of pieced together. Guys, you get where I'm getting at. Uh, listener, do you understand what's going on? It's full of Skaven. Yeah. And who else, like, how do you feel like, did it take until Skaven showed up before you figured out it was Skaven? Or? I mean, a couple sentences before when they start talking about what, like, the sure. stuff that we're seeing down there. I felt like I was kind of sniffing it out a little bit mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. But to that point, and this is, this is one of the things. I'll come back to this, but like it bothered me a little bit where it was just like, oh, it smells awful and weird. And there's this weird equipment and I see this hunched figure and it's moving with like, you know, uh, more grace than I would expect. And, oh, it's got a tail. And, oh, now I have that, like, there's this stench of Skaven and I would never like, I, I would recognize that anywhere. I'm like, you literally did not recognize that, you know, like you know, <laughs> moments ago. And it's a narrative piece or whatever. But, you know, sometimes when, when it's used inappropriately, like uh, I'll, I'll, like I feel like you have a a, a phrase which is said, I I, I would recognize that anywhere, but you were building it up, and the, those two pieces didn't match together. You can well. use one, or you can use the other. You can't use both. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, I, I had a, a frustration in a couple places with with something like that, and this is one of those Turn, turns of phrases. Yeah. Um, so we're introduced to this engineer called Pitrick. Yep. Yeah, Pitrick sounds right. Uh, and he's he's a little bit cray cray, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah uh, but aren't they all? Well, a little bit? so she uh, she was like, oh, I'm gonna, I I gotta get around this guy. Like, uh-huh. I I don't want to deal with this. this. Is not my this is a headache. I don't want to have. Um, and she actually accidentally steps on like a broken mirror, makes some noise, mm-hmm. and then you know tucks and rolls behind something, and uh, Pitrick like turns around. And says, ah, shut up, you. And he's talking to these hanging cages of, like, Skaven skeletons that are mm-hmm. around him. So, like, yeah, former 
former buds. I don't know. That's not something Skaven have. Former <laughs> underlings, former colleagues. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> work friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it looks like she's going to get out of there. Okay. And then all of a sudden she is surprised by what is clearly a, uh, a storm fiend. Storm fiend. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 More than one. Yes. Uh, my favorite thing though is. Not only is he scolding these like skeletons, he's also calling down lightning to strike at the oh, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, he's like, <laughs> like, like electrocuting like, their cages. Yeah. He's like, great. shut up, or you're gonna get the lightning. <laughs> like, All right, you get the lightning. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. like literally insane uh, engineer, just like yeah. shocking everything. He just keeps threatening to lightning things. That's <laughs> yeah. like a shtick. Um, so she bumbles into uh, Storm Fiend, who then like captures her and, and mm-hmm. turns her over to the uh, to the warlock. And we're pretty sure he's legit alive, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the Storm- he's not like. I have no reason to think uh, why it would be. But yeah, but, but we I, don't. It, it made me consider the possibility. Like, it, could you like we set it up as like here's a place where humans would go oh, to the world, but like, are there other beings that would end up here? Um, well, and it's easy to imagine like elves. Like you could have an elf, or you know, I don't think Age of Sigmar doesn't have like established half elves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, no. But uh, but I can think of like order races showing up here. But what about Skaven? Like, and they love like they kind of like solve a problem or you know whatever like the the mm-hmm. cunning ingenuity. And so it it I considered for a moment that this might be a uh, a, a dead a, a Skaven ghost, but not. Uh, didn't turn out to be, and also this yeah. is also representative of the Skaven, where they kind of are able to break through the boundaries of mm-hmm. how the realms are supposed to work because they they burrow through the realms, and so this is a Skaven who's here and who's not supposed to be here. Well, and to that point, and I hadn't thought about the possibility of him being dead, right? Because you're not uh, as smart as me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, it, it just didn't enter my mind, right? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is. This to me was very much a an an order thing. So that's an interesting. Yeah, and, we'll, and uh, I'll say this: I, I think I think the reason it popped into my head more was maybe because I was getting a little taken out of by some of the things that were mm-hmm. bothering me. So I wasn't like as wrapped up in it. Um, yeah, and so that made me like a little more analytical and skeptical of some of the things I was seeing. But as we go through this encounter, right, like it becomes very clear that this is not his heaven. Right, right? this is his hell. Yeah. He's stuck in this place that he can't get out. Yeah. Right? And he's able to build these creations, but they're only about fighting. And he's right? out of slaves. He's out of slaves. Yeah. Like, Wicked bummer, dude. I mean, what is the most tragic thing for a Skaven is to be the only one. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it, it is his version of hell. As, as Like, he has no one to blame. That's interesting. If things are wrong, yeah. it's all his fault. Yeah. Right? And he's been stuck oh, here. Oh, yeah. You can't blame anyone ever, else. Oh, right? And yeah. so he's shocking. Like, he's literally driven mm. himself insane because yeah. no one else can he's be gotta, responsible he's for gotta, his fault. He's got to blame his dead, dead exactly. dad. Exactly. That's I was like, right, Paul, I get you. That's a yeah. really cool little, like, Well, and touch, I'm not smarter right? than you. you, you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> game recognized game. And so because of that, he he locks Shev up. Like, he's got, he throws her up in one of those cages. And, like, all and he like, wants to it's know. It's your fault. Well, this I mean, is all your fault. It's your fault, but all he wants to know is how how do I get out of here? Yes. Like help me help me get. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, You're alive. Yeah. How'd you get here? Like, yeah, well, yeah, walk walk yeah. me through yeah. it, basically. Um and so he he, he walk it out. <laughs> no, walk it walk out. Walk it out. Walk um, it out. Walk it out. Uh, how many dollars is that? Um so he, <laughs> I mean, he gives her the shock once and he, he's he's about to really like uh, <laughs> yeah. land her a little bit. Um but she actually is saved, thank goodness, by our two nameless 
Kako thinks friends um, who they come. Have names they aren't nameless. Not, but... <laughs> no, not to be named in this show. Uh, <laughs> they they come out of nowhere because they basically can. Like they are the guardians of this place, and they come and and just start uh, uh, wrecking house. Um, and and they free her from her cage. Um, so not appearing in this film with with the thief too. With uh, Gray Jacques as well. Yes. So, like, the three of them come come to her rescue. I well, don't want to. He gets a name because that's a cool name. And they do reveal that the Cacos Sphinxes sent Gray Jacques go, to go rescue Chev on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? This was an intentional action on their part. And they're like, you're as cool as we thought you were, basically. Right? Like, we knew that you had promise mm-hmm. and you were delivering on the promise that we thought that you had. Yeah. But, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. These Cacos Sphinxes are like, devastating everything right like this the, i mean there's only three things but yes yeah but like they have no chance of taking them out mm-hmm. uh and then there is i don't even remember exactly what happened they pull the same trick on the the skaven as they do as they did before oh and they fall through the don't they teleport them right out of there like they they use geomancy or something to sh- are they halflings quite possibly to ship to ship those rats i mean they're half people to half to, lion to parts unknown this totally i'm going for this it doesn't is it, they're geomancer oh, halflings i wish eric was here um <laughs> but they, they ship them to a different part of of the uh the underworld basically yeah uh and it's nice i mean now it's nice and quiet we got this nice little cave yeah uh, we're all friends again mm-hmm. um let's hang out uh and so this is where they sort of determine that all right, well, we need to rescue the rest of our party. And, and yeah. the goal is we still need to get that phylactery as well, because this is actually a real existential threat for, like, the world. If this Varengar, Valengar, um, character, Valengar get, gets hit, he sort of gets, um, you know, freed from his phylactery or, or something bad's going to happen. But there definitely is this question of Shev, and she's like, maybe I can just go, right? Like, this is a moment for me to leave, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And so I think this is an interesting moment because – it feels like Nick Horth is trying to tell us or help us think of maybe this isn't her heaven, right? Because a real rapscallion would be like, well, I'm not trying to leave. And she is, right? So I think he's trying to imply a goodness to her character that may not apply to the people who are sent to this underworld. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have that heart of gold. Yeah. Um, but they they have to come up with a plan basically to yes. get back to that tower uh, and save the day. Let's and just, they spell it out elaborately and tell us every single detail no, or not. She does the classic classic <laughs> trope of I've got an idea and it might be crazy enough to work. Cut to black. <laughs> uh, yep. And so uh, we do. We we jump. Go ahead. Well, we can say let the record show the Caco Sphinxes are Theatocles and Mysanta. Oh, which are pretty cool names. Pretty, pretty yeah. Greek. Pretty Greek. The mo- <laughs> the moment of her having the opportunity to leave. Uh, and then choosing not to is like the one of the few. And this is a this is a uh, novella, so there's not a ton of room. It's a novella in Age of Sigmar, action oriented. So it's not like we're expecting to see a lot of character growth. This is the moment of you know, hey, it has this character developed at mm-hmm. all. So this is this is where it could happen, and it kind of does happen. Sure, it could happen. Yeah. Um, and so she ends up finding her way into the tomb of the phylactery, right? And they enter into this storm vault, and Taviat, Taviat, like and Master Boros are uh, are being held by the necromancer, and Varen also is here. Yep. Right. And there is this face off between 
Varen and the Necromancer. But it becomes very clear now, as was heavily implied earlier, that Valagar has taken over Varen, right? Varen basically is no more. Yeah. He's just a Varen suit. So there is this extended conversation back and forth between the two of them. And it is revealed that Kaos is this disciple of Archon the Black. Archon the Black. And that Valagar was also a disciple of Archon yeah. the Black. Did they call him a Black Pilgrim? Black Pilgrim, yes. Which yeah. is interesting because that's the same term that they use for the Varen Spire. Oh, they're that's talking, true. That's right? good, Ooh, yeah. good pull. So, Strong work, Paul. Uh, so that's an interesting kind of dichotomy that we have there. Uh, but the Valagar is just this much more powerful, impressive figure. Even though Kaos has everything going for him at this point, and Valagar's wearing another person's body. Well, and we get we get a little exposition here. Like, Valagar is in the situation he's in for, for a clear reason, and it is, uh, it is as he, well, his accusation is that it's because of Arcan the Black. Uh, and so, you know, by extension, he hates these Black Pilgrims. He He's saying, I'm here because Arcan the Black sold me out to... The Sigmar, yeah. Azirian dogs, um, because Arcan was threatened, he thought I was going to take his place at Nagash's right hand. That's kind of a cool little, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. And honestly, I, I believe Arcan would do that. Sure, oh, absolutely. He's a, he's a scheming, scheming guy. I'd, I'd expect uh, Manfred to do it first, but mm. yeah, Arcan, <laughs> Arcan's not above that business. Goodness, no. Um, so it, eventually, this conversation escalates quite a bit, and it does yeah. end up coming to necromatic blows. Basically, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Kraus has a skeleton sort of backup, and he sort of sends them after Varen. But it becomes very clear quickly that Varen is no slouch when it comes to the, uh, the amethyst or necromatic ma- magics. Um, he ends up taking over the, the skeletons at some point. All the while, they're throwing like bolts of you know black energy at each other. Um, Kraus he's like this bores me yeah. yeah I was gonna say Kraus holds his own for a bit because it seems here. it seems like Valgar yeah. Valgar was sort of toying with him and eventually he just crumples him and at and, this yeah. point it's referring to Varen slash Valgar right like mm-hmm. like it, it it actually has a character name be like <laughs> exactly the way that he takes it over is not only a like a defeat for Kraus but it is an utter obliteration of his existence as a necromancer right he gone because this is the first time that I think we've seen this. There's a necromancer. His name is Kaus, and he first brings. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> he brings an army of skeletons to a, a neck uh, to an amethyst fight. To an amethyst fight, <laughs> and Valagar takes control of his skeletons yeah. and sends them back against him and kills Kaus with them. Right. I, I don't yeah. think we've seen this before. I cannot give you an example where that has occurred, although it does not feel... It doesn't seem beyond realization or beyond possibility, Stop but... Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yeah. yourself with your skeleton. Well, exactly. I'm thinking like, of the end times. I think this happened in the end times. Yeah, you, you know, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is not only a defeat for Kaos, but it's a complete obliteration of his power, sure. right? He uses his own tools in order to literally, step by step, piece by piece destroy the body of Kaus. It does it does talk about how like you got kind of quiet and you could hear like metal on bone <laughs> and it was clearly like this guy getting 
stabbed, and then he was just a pile of gore. You know, like yeah. he, it, gore, uh, gore and rags. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't, like you couldn't. He was, deter- he was a pile of beast men. Yeah, yeah. gross. <laughs> um, but it's around this time that like, Chef is like, oh, things have gone south. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Uh, I guess I just got to buy time. And so she's been like hiding this whole time, watching it go down. Yeah. Um, she pokes her little head out, perhaps peeks out her head, yeah. um, and uh, calls attention to herself to let everyone know, hey, hey, I'm here. And the thing is, she's read her fiction. She knows that there is a villainous monologue. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. basically, basically, her plan is like, I got to rely on the villain's monologue. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you got me monologuing. Yeah. And so he starts monologuing. I mean, it's fair to say he starts going on about how, you know, she was useful for a time. I mean, she literally but pops up and is like, oh, hey, again. Right? Yeah. And she's like, hey, good to see you again. Sure. Do, you, like, do you have any thoughts you'd like to yeah. share? <laughs> yeah. And then talks about how Varen was – thought he was strong enough to be able to to be able to withstand. But all that made it was so much easier for him to be able to deal – because he could just sit along and watch everything go on and put his, like, you know, tendrils of control into his mind. Sure, sure. And when he decided to take over, it was all that more powerful because he was strong enough to keep the illusion up. Mm-hmm. And he's Illusions, like, is, is this your plan? You show up, right? Like, are you waiting for something to happen? And lo and behold, Grey Jacques comes in <laughs> This is a great oh, yeah. entrance too, yeah, yeah. right? Like it, well, this entire book, he's been super energetic and like etc. And because I'm, I'm clearly like I don't understand this plan. Like she's just like, uh huh, uh huh. And I was like, is she gonna get close and use this dagger, which was referenced earlier? Super like, cool dagger. We haven't referenced well, it at all. Sting yeah. knockoff, but okay. <laughs> uh, that has sting homage, but okay. Yeah, I mean fields of fields of gold, and you know. Uh, don't have to put the it on the red police. light. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roxanne? Uh, no, of course, you're talking about the magical sword. Okay, from, I, uh, I knew you didn't. J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, <laughs> Tolkien. Tolkien. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what this plan is. Like, buy yourself another 10 minutes before the end and totally relying on this guy being willing to chat, which he is. Yeah. Uh, but then. But then he's like, you should have escaped, right? You should have left when you had the chance. Yeah. But then she's like, yeah, but we have a scaven. Boom. Door yeah. gets kicked in and uh, Grey Jacques comes rolling up uh, with the our, our dear scaven friends hot on his, on his heels. I love the line, too. He's like, I, I have your distraction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? like, <laughs> as requested, I have your distraction. Uh, and I like to pick, I don't think it, it was described as such, but I like to picture him swinging Spider-Man-esque in through the doorway. <laughs> I thought uh, it was like collapsing in a pile of like... I don't know. Which is why I prefer my <laughs> way. Um, uh, but the, the Storm Fiends can roll in um, and uh, the Warlock uh, Pitrick uh, as well as just shooting um, what's the light? Warp lightning out of his, yeah. out his Warlock claw uh, yeah. left and right. And so distraction it is. And, yes. things, and this, things go wild. This is happening right where um, where Varen Valgar is like cracking up the phylactery like he's mm-hmm. he's finished his sort of like okay like i've given my villain speech to you and now i'm gonna totally like do the thing that i've been craving for you know 500 yeah. years but i was willing you know? to wait yeah. 20 more seconds but yeah me. like but it's cool you know like i'm finally here but i got time you know um and then he's distracted from this he's like oh i gotta do something about this, I guess. Sure. And so they have a wizard's duel between the um, uh, Pitrick and 
uh, Varen Valagar, um, which lasts way longer than the the Kraus fight, which was sort yep. of surprising to me. Um, mm-hmm. But in a way, kind of fun. Like, I don't know. I, I liked that the Warlock, I, I don't th- know if this is believable or not, but I liked that the Warlock was able to go for a while toe to claw uh, with Varen as he sort of shooting lightning bolts at each other. I mean, they're shooting well, magic at each other and stuff. And this was an interesting thing for me is that the Storm Fiends, right, were described in very specific detail Two of the miniatures out of the three that are available oh, in the box. Is that what you meant? This is where okay, I was gotcha. Right. Like, he specifically talked about the, the withered rats on the back to the point where I was like, oh, this is going to be a plot point. It didn't yeah. end up being a plot point. But, like, yeah, she tucks and rolls underneath, you yeah. know, a, a storm fiend and is like, oh, there's a real gross, like, you know, pseudo rat on the back of this. I thought she was going to shoot it. Yeah, exactly. She shoot it and be like, oh, yeah. but she doesn't do that. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm, he's there. Yeah. Cool. But they describe the armament specifically. And yeah. one's so, got the gun, like the yeah. rattling gun. One's yep. got the, like, the hook arm thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But when they describe Pitrick, it very much is the old. Ickit uh, Claw? Ickit Claw miniature. Yeah. But that's no longer. Mm. Ickit Claw isn't there. But he's shooting warp lightning. He has this gauntlet that shoots warp lightning. Right, like he very much is to me exactly that miniature, huh. and this is I something that I, I took away because he's got a, like a hand cannon and a pistol. So I was taking the one that was from the uh, Island of Blood. Who's got, oh, that's like, fair. A, I could see that. Um, but to kind of go back to my earlier point about a battle tome writer being very specific, yeah. this is very much a, an instance where you can tell that he's a battle tome writer because he's literally talking about the models themselves, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't created something. He's making his story fit models yeah, that exist I mean, in the game. This is what I was referencing earlier. Is like we'll come back to this. Like that. That makes sense to me that this is a battle right? for exactly the reasons you're expounding upon. Yeah. Uh, but th- so I really liked this chamber uh, because it's described as this like beautiful marble chamber with all of these like treasures and weapons, etc. And the the flactory in the center. And as they're starting to have this second wizard's battle in here. Um, it becomes apparent that Valagar is also easily able to take care of Pitrick, right? Uh, but during the distraction, Shev is able to go and free Taviet and Master Boros. Mm-hmm. And Master Boros, I don't know from where, pulls out this unassembled Well, there's, like, a, there's weapon. a pile of stuff where, where they were captured, apparently. Oh, that's right. All their yeah. equipment in the corner. And he's like, oh, uh, I got this. Don't worry about it. And so he's walking, and there's like gunfire. Just and he's just ignoring he's it. Just like, the dupe, the dupe. Like goes over, starts digging in there, and then it describes some of the things he's pulling out. You know, but basically he's like assembling a grenade launcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as he fires this off, there's just just absolutely destructive uh, explosion. Well, entertainingly, like, and they do a cool teamwork thing where like, um, Taviat like. Hops over and like use my shoulder to you know brace yeah. your brace your shot. He's like you know eat this click nothing. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and right. so then he like has to you know clear the jam and the the villain is like ah ha ha you fools and then he clears the jam and fires in yeah. this big explosion. So Valagar Varon is not completely destroyed, but he is severely tested and wounded mm-hmm. from this. Uh, he is. I think it said his entire face was burned and like his half his body is just destroyed. Um, and it comes down to Shev and Varen Valagar. And she basically looks him in the face and stabs him in the heart. Yeah. Like they're, they're like, he's in, in mid sentence or something like that. And she's like, nah, just can boom. And then like stabs him with, yeah. with her fancy sting dagger. 
and uh, the spirit of Valagar gets sucked into the phylactery itself. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's how like the final thread is, is resolved. Yep. Uh, phylactery rendered, maybe not inert, but, you know, sort of complete and locked up. And uh, Well, so the phylactery is meant to contain his soul, right? Mm-hmm. But he had managed to keep part of his soul. So this is another example of where we have in the background or in the gash has these horcruxes for a be- use of, for want of a better word that he has put parts of his soul in different places and he has put parts of his soul into these different mortarks right it's basically how he has this control and this necromancer had gotten to the point of being able to put his soul into different places and now to my understanding it is back in one, right? Or at least two of them have been contained into one. Maybe not all. Dun, dun, yes, dun. exactly. But that that gives you an idea of the power that Valagar had that would make Archon be like, oh no, this guy needs to be gone, right? Mm-hmm. He had even gotten to the point of being able to split his soul into other objects in order to extend his life. Sure. Uh, Gross. So, yeah. At this point, they have the phylactery and basically everything is is put to a finish sure. and uh the dying wish of varin at this point no longer varin valangar is that tavia would escort shev back to the city of lethis and yeah. make sure that this phylactery is taken care of yeah and T- tavia is like yeah as a as a final dying wish i'll, I'll do that because they i mean they had a pretty strong bond and so she's pretty shaken up about his death yeah. so she's yeah. like yeah as a final act um, I will do that. Yeah, she has a specific word for his like sword. I give a sword oath, sword oath. Yeah. and she puts her sword in Varen's hands mm-hmm. in his body before and she it was, leaves. It was that she would die before she let. Yeah, uh, before she let him die. Basically, yeah, and she's like, and so I, she's failed. Like I failed. I uh-huh. failed, and then he's like, No, I failed, and then. But she's like, No, 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 no I failed though. No, no <laughs> but I failed more. No, but yeah. ooh, okay. Uh, okay, you did. You did feel more. No, I mean, we're we're being flippant, but like it it it's, it, it it's trying to make moment. this the the sort of powerful, you know, um, emotionally resonant moment. Yeah. Um, well, and it lends some like credibility to like the interactions earlier in the story that like her demeanor and and relationship with Varen is, is sort of showed throughout the story as sort of her his caretaker and bodyguard. There, it is. It was a strong bond. Um, and scene fades to black um, as we cut to the the epilogue. Basically, no, literally fades to black yeah. oh doesn't, doesn't because chev is now in another prison oh yeah in a pit yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, so she is returned to jail there is very little um sympathy and or praise for her actions and she finds herself again under lock and key under the order of azir uh in jail but she is a visit visited again by another witch hunter with one arm, but with one, one arm, I totally forgot about. It. No, oh, I remember for it sure. Wasn't me. Well, it wasn't me. Who's the one armed man? I needed to know because I wanted to know where it took place. And I'm like, all right, well, depending in what state Toll is in, I'll know where this when this book happens. Um, so if he was missing an arm, um, but that's who it is. A hand over Toll rolls up, rocks up, and says, "Hey, look, uh, you did this a solid. Um, I, I knew uh, Varen, um, and I, I, we've been told the story of what happened from you, from Taviat, et cetera, et cetera. So we believe you." Sure, I guess, but this is very important. You, you found yourself embroiled in very important matters. Um, well, basically, what he says is, you were sent out with a, a witch hunter or an owner of his ear agent. You came back; he's dead, and you have an incredibly powerful Forbidden. undead artifact. Yeah, right. We have to put you in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like it's policy. My yeah, hands are tied. Exactly. Yeah. But 
uh, maybe I can make use of you in the the future, right? Like, isn't that the the hook or hinge later? He's like, yeah, got a job for you. I'm in. You said I'm so we might hear from uh, Shevarkless again. Yeah, I, I mean, he specifically does actually release her. And he says, "But if I ever have to cross paths with you again, yeah. you're really going to be in trouble, young lady." <laughs> For real this time, though. I mean it. No takesy backsies. Finger shaking, finger shaking. Yeah. And then the end of the book. Yes. I'm glad we got that. I love when they do like the cameos at the very, very. Uh, it's very um Marvel movie esque, right? Like those scenes at the end. Sure. Um, the horse cinematic universe. Yeah, horse cinematic universe. I'm down for it. All right, let's do some. Uh, well, that's the end of the plot. You guys have any other plot stuff? Nope. All right, here let's do some standard questions. In what shape are the characters at the end? Uh, I still think Chev is under under the order of Azir's thumb. Like yep. regardless if she's free or not, I think that she's still going to be called upon when yeah. the need arises. She's too yeah. entangled with them, but. Um, and so, but the bottom line is she's kind of right where she was at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. No, no worse off than I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Varen is dead, right? I think we've established that. Both mm. dead. Uh, Taviat and Master Boros are also under the control of the Order of Azir. Presumably, because they've been Toll specifically mentions that they also have been questioned uh, for answers. Um, so Valagar is. In the phylactery, perhaps somewhere else, but that's as, far, as much as we know. Yeah. And this, to me, is the saddest part of the book, is that they leave and they take the phylactery with them because the agents of Nagash know that it's there. Mm. Yeah. And so we leave the Thieves' Paradise and Greyjock and Theodocles know that the end is coming. Sure. Right? Like, we don't see their end. But we know it's already coming. A necromancer has broken in, yeah. right? They are no longer safe. Yeah, it's a bummer. And that, like, that was a super poignant end for me, like for this amazing character of Grey Jacques, and like, it, it, it was, uh, yeah, super poignant. I was so. having a great time until you ruined it for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, th- there's this point where um, Toll is like. You know, she's like, "Well, is is the phylactery safe?" And he's like, "Well, as safe as anything can be in these these times." You know, like he, these are these are bad times we live in. But he does talk about like I've specifically hidden it where the followers in Nagash will not find it, and this implies to me that there's something, you know, like because it used to be these uh more, the engines, what are they, the penumbral engines, penumbral engines that uh, obscure things. So they apparently they still think they have something they can hide. Double penum- penumbral yeah. engines. Double secret. I have, I, have a, I have a theory. I think he might have hit it in the Midnight Tomb. And the next story mm-hmm. is going to open with the Midnight Tomb being breached and Valagar being gone. Hence why I was saying, ah, we don't know where the rest of his... Yeah. Because that, midnight, that's a completely safe place. Is the Midnight They're, Tomb under Lethus? Yes, that's under it. Lake Lethus. So not only <clears throat> did they let out Catacross. They might have also let out Valagar. Valagar. Oh, no, Valagar. I Whoops. Mean, uh, Daisy. What's worse? All right. Yeah, that's a, a theory. So, Guys, tell me about who your dude or dudette was. No, you tell us. All right, cool. Um, You just mentioned Greyshock, and now I'm feeling morose. Um, He was my favorite because I'm a sucker for these... these uh, Brazen, brash, confident, happy, go lucky uh, characters. <laughs> All the things you're not. Yeah, right. It's, it's everything I want to be. Everything <laughs> I wish I was. Um, I love love me some Helios. Who was the? I feel like yeah, there was just oh one the God. other day. The real Helios. The real Helios. Uh, I don't know. It, it it was so insightful, and it was such a. Uh, uh, I I feel like I learned something I didn't know. I didn't know of what it meant to be like dead 
Um, and what a great way to sort of experience it, to see that happy dead, like to see the, the peaceful, I mean, not peaceful, but like uh, content dead. Um, you see so much when you sort of look at the armies of death, the, the discontent, the un- unhappiness with their lot in life, especially with the night haunt specifically when you're talking about ghosts. Sure. Um, so it's rare to see that other side of that coin. Um, and it was always so very hypothetical when they talked about what these um, underworlds looked like. And I had no concept of what it meant to like live there. They would say it in like battle tomes. They talked about it, you know, in the Ossiarch Bone Reapers, those two cities or whatever. But like now, I now I know now I have an now I have an idea, and I'm sure not everybody. Obviously, not everybody's like Ray Jacques, but like it gives you that point, it gives you that introduction to the concept. And I imagine over the years we'll see a lot more of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's microcosm for that uh, entire idea. Plus, I just liked him as a person. Strong, mm-hmm. strong choice, Paul. Uh, I'm gonna go weird here and go with the actual thieves' paradise itself. It's pretty weird. The the underworld, it, it, it really just, it struck me as an actual character in and of itself, right? Like, because it is so, to me, fully fleshed out, um, fully realized, and just approachable and understandable. I mean, and to the fact where it even has its own motivation, right? But between the two Kako Sphinx and Grey Jacques, they're able, the city itself is able to have agency through the people that live there, right? Through the characters that live there. And the really interesting narrative hook for me is that the danger is that there is a treasure within the Thieves' Paradise that no one knew was there in the Storm Vault. And this treasure that no one knew was there has now been uncovered. And the thing that kills the city is the thing that is the goal of every person that went to go and die and live their afterlife there is a treasure that is so powerful and so dangerous that they can't let it be there, right? Like, it is literally the epitome of someone who would live there that ends up being the downfall of this paradise. Hmm. And, like, to me, that was just a fascinating twist and understanding of what it would mean to live in the realm of death in one of these underworlds. I, I, I just really appreciated it. Wow, cool. Damien, yeah. character. Uh, I am going with Varen. Hmm. I'll tell you why. Tell me why. That would be weird if you didn't. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> Varen started as he's, he's got this, this is my purpose, and uh, like I'm, I'm very focused on this. Uh, I'm going to do this good thing. It's going to be to get rid of this phylactery, basically get rid of this awful thing. I've, I've kind of figured it out. I have this book. And it's going to help me out sort this. Uh, it becomes clear to everybody else that he can't, he's like, you know, very early on, you're like, this dude's not going to hack it. Like he's getting super sick. Like it, it, before any even significant things had happened, he was like, he looks sicker than he should be. Mm. Um, and anybody familiar with their fantasy tropes is like, yep, this dude's getting corrupted by this thing. Uh, I identify with the, like, I still got this, you know, like <laughs> everything's fine. I still got this. I can do this. Uh, no, which is no, why, no, 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 back off. I still got this. I which is why this. you're here tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everybody else is like, you totally don't. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's still cool. Believe me. It's still cool. So, uh, I, I get the crap out of my way. No, I've got this. <laughs> yeah. Merely a flesh wound. Yeah. yeah. I, I could feel where he's coming from with that. And, uh, he rode that, he rode that bomb all the way down. So. <laughs> yeah. All the way down. Well, but at the end, like he does have an actual change of heart, right? Like he wasn't able to be there. Yeah, that's where I lost it. I'll never have a change of heart. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, 
it, where he like he's this straight arrow. These are the rules, and I live by the rules, right? Yeah. And then the last thing he does is he releases somebody else from his rule. Well, yeah, he does and he doesn't. He, he says, like, no, like, I, I recognize the value of this. Like, my, my last mm-hmm. command to you is follow this rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But by the same point, this person has just betrayed what he held up to be, like, the sure. highest thing, and yeah. he still trusts her. Yeah. Right? And that implies something more than what we um, – what from the little that we had of his full character to begin with. Yep. Right so I appreciated that. Uh, what, what are some things we learned about the mortal realms that we didn't know before? Uh, I didn't know that not all, I didn't know that all the underworlds really hadn't been consumed by Nagash or chaos yet. At sure. this point, That's, that was, that was my me. big thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently I didn't know that the, the dead don't always obviously appear dead. Like that. I thought there would always be something that lets you knew that they were dead, but apparently they look like the dead. They're just like us. Yeah. Um, and uh, it Which was raised some interesting questions was because he was like, uh yeah death's not final for me uh it, it is for you and i was like well it is unless they pop up in your position and then they're just where you're at yeah. and it's all everything's good so but i think that that transition is uncertain and uh inconsistent yeah so, agreed yeah. oh inter- well now you're making me think something interesting right like we'll oh, be the finally, judge of that first time for everything is he is he telling them that the mortal realms is in such a place that people might not be going to their correct afterlife. Is that a commentary on what's going on right now? I don't think so. Right? With, yeah. Super okay. reach. Yeah. But that's fair. I like the thought. Um, and then I learned to the degree that there's, I guess we always kind of knew there was infighting, but I haven't seen infighting like this amongst the followers of Nagash. To see Arkan with his followers sort of sabotaging other people. Yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I would have thought that Arkan was um, a little bit more secure in his position, but the fact that he's like, nah, that guy's, mm, he's got to go, yeah. um, was news to me. Did you guys learn anything fun? In this book about the moral realms. Well, I mean. uh, the fact that you went from Shyish and in into an underworld and it wasn't this like, oh, right? Like it was, you're you're at the gates of the underworld and you enter in, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't as if you were moving from one plane of existence to another. You went from the land and you sailed across the ocean and there's an island and that's it, mm-hmm. right? You still couldn't get in, but it wasn't a shift. Like it... What I've always understood it to be is that basically these little pocket realms, right? Kind of like Stigix, right? Like Nagash yes. had to go hide sure. in Stigix yeah. for a while. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the border wasn't a border. The border was a Barnes and, A Barnes and Noble. Right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was dumb. <laughs> Nobody in the UK is going to get Even that. Even Paul thought it was dumb. <laughs> uh, David, you learned anything? Uh, I mean, I already mentioned a little bit, but... Um, <clears throat> For me, it, it was this idea of a uh, uh, underworld being uh, seamless with the rest of Shyish, right? Like um, Shyish has these cities that have living people, and it has dead people all over the place. Uh, and the fact that you may or not—I I, I mean, I think it makes me think that, like, if you could have been alive during the Age of Myth, like, go kick with the, your grandma. One of the coolest things would have been to go tour the awesome underworld of uh, the mortal realms like let me go check out because apparently like you can you can check these out uh i mean i know they're surprised like hey you're living how did you get in here sort of thing but if you have that ability like that that's kind of cool to to be like oh let me go sample what is the like cherished end goal of people who think in a particular way um and then set up a trading post there um I so I, I again for me and I think we've all kind of mentioned this in one way or another, but like the way that uh, Shyish works, 
at least prior to Nagash controlling it all. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. That big old douche. Here. Yep. Um, I know we talked about sprinkling the listener questions in, but these don't really come up before. Um, J- Josh from the Dogs of Warkai podcast, Fractal Rain, on our Discord, wanted to know, does the Prince of Cats feature in any other lore from the world that was or AOS? I've never... Oh, does he? I think so. Oh my god, I couldn't find it. What? There's a, there, I think there's a reference in um, uh, Soul Wars. <gasps> Josh Reynolds. The Lost yeah. episode. I know, yeah. I was just like banging on that right away. In my defense, it was Lost, so... Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah but yeah. Uh, they do reference that it's the City of Cats, and I believe there is a reference to the Prince of Cats by well, the little... There's girl. specifically a cat that is following around the girl, and like it, it is this like. Uh, there's some reference that it might be this like lost god of cats. Son yes. of different author, yeah. different author, different yeah. book, which I, I love. Know. Yes, so good. You guys yeah. are awesome. Hats <laughs> off, it up. Nick Horth. Yeah, um, the stuff we live for. Yeah. And Aaron didn't yeah. even. See no, he didn't. It. Even this see is normally it. my jam. Well, it's yeah. because my searches are messed up, and I can't run the search. Yeah. Right. Um, Tomb King Tristan we had a couple questions. Uh, he wanted to know if Chev was a bad a. Uh, trying to keep our PG rating here um, in this book. Do, do you think anything she did quali- qualifies as a, a BA? So here is my fundamental problem with this. Mm-hmm. Was she was brought in for her specialty uh, at being, I'm, I'm a thief, I'm a rogue, like I'm the person you want for Thieves Paradise, whatever. Uh, and I felt like, so she read some runes, like she yep. channeled the Prince of Cats. Sure. But other than that, it felt like she was just failing upwards uh, through through a lot of it. Like it, mm-hmm. it was just kind of circumstantially like, oh, I got knocked through this door and it worked out okay for me. Like I, I, I did not feel like, so I felt like uh, Grey Jacques was was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Like they should have hired he did that all guy. This, but, but he was already there. And so it was like, here's this other person that we didn't anticipate having, but he is like made made all our stuff possible. And, uh, I don't, I don't, I, she felt too passive to me, too passive to be the bad a that, uh, Tomb mm-hmm. King Tristan is asking about, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, I know, I know she like theoretically came up with a plan, but because of nature, how it was written, she doesn't reveal that to us or whatever. But like, uh, I, that was my, that was my main problem with her. It was sure. like, she, she didn't, uh, fulfill on the promise of why she was brought along. Sure. She could have been anybody. Paul, yeah. do you think she was a BA? Uh, well, to clarify your point, like to me, it's very much just that she didn't have any agency, right? Like, yeah, that it, w- it was cool. Like, yeah. she did cool things. Paul and I are agreeing, listeners. Yeah, but mark it down. I, I definitely agree that she did not have any. It, it's a weird vibe in this room. <laughs> agency, uh, a, a, to drive the story forward. And that was a little odd right and so to go back to something i had said earlier right um the difference between an indiana jones type character right and yeah. a tomb raider type character is and maybe i just don't play enough video games but in indiana jones he does all his research right and he shows up and he's like this is what's going on right we're gonna go after this thing does he is are there large stretches of the Indiana Jones movies where he's doing research? Well, he's a professor and and so like there's a lot of discussion with the museum and he's like I figured out where this thing is. Hmm. I'm going to go get it. Hmm. Right? And he figures out the traps, right? Like when his when Must be right, in the so we're getting universe, yeah. Well, but in Last Crusade, his father has a diary sure. that tells him where all the traps are to get to the Grail. Okay. Right? This is a part of Indiana Jones character to me at least. Fair. And so Hanover Toll is very much that character. He's ex- he's a explored everything he has a diagram of what's going on he just goes in gets the thing 
but then he doesn't get it. So then he chases the person like he very much is the agent that is driving the, the story forward, right? And with when I'm making the Tomb Raider reference, it's more of like, this is a cool thing. I'm going to go explore this cool thing. Mm-hmm. And then stuff happens, mm-hmm. right? And And to me, at least that's why I'm calling it a difference between the two. Because that's what my understanding of the two is, right? Okay. Now, Chev has an idea that there is this thing called the phylactery, right? Yeah. She doesn't know where it is. It's in this thing called the the, the chamber of something, right? Secret. But she doesn't know where that is, right? Secret, uh, secret. And and it's this agency where she's falling up, as, as a great description, into these steps forward. Yeah. And she has skills that allow those steps to happen. But again, it's oh, I'm just reading it and it, it makes sense to me, right? Yeah. I'm reading this book and now it makes sense to me. This re- revealed action that's going on. Um, and so, as far as her being a BA, I would have to say that she doesn't really feel like it because Grey Jacques steals all of her thunder. Yeah, big problem. Mm. This, yeah. Um, as much as a Grey Jacques is cool, uh-huh. it's a problem that he's stealing... Like he's, well, I mean, he's, he's doing the things that our main character should be doing, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, my only final thought on that is if she was really that good a thief, she probably wouldn't have been caught in the first place. Oh. And so, uh, honestly, they, on you, chef. Yeah, they had to, gotcha. they had, they had to make, gotcha. They had to make do with uh, what they had available to her. So, if like, if she's a good thief, uh, I hate to see what a bad thief looks like. Um, but she had other other good qualities. Maybe she just wasn't a BA. Did this book make you want to build any particular army? Did it inspire any sort of um, thoughts. I mean, it really wasn't an army book uh, per se. No, I, I will say the spark it had for me was when they were on their way to the island and they had described the concept of the island. Um, I did not feel like it lived up to this promise, but the concept of the island, I was like, this is an amazing setup for a AOS RPG. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, I heard yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, I could be inspired to make a war cry table off of this for Ooh. sure. Don't think I could be inspired to be an army, but like I could easily see this being war criteria. I mean, it was very vertical. Like this, this yep. whole space. Was there were bridges. Lots, there lots were of ups and downs. Falls. There. Yeah. Yep. Well, Somebody true. could pull off, Paul. That's true. <laughs> we'll see. And uh, this isn't my answer because I don't. I would never build anything like this ever. Um, but like the reference to like the mechano arcanum hand and stuff is is just another idea to that like mechanical cogford type stuff. And again, I know that's it's not really important to me, but I know it's important to other people. So I, I reckon that it would uh, satisfy some folks on that front. Um, um, I mean, I guess it is fair to say it would be pretty sweet to build Cows with that huge undead kraken and the sure. barnacle covered skeletons. And then every time I saw him, I'd say, hey, Carlos, what's kraken? Um <laughs> Then he also wanted to know, man, Tristan, good, solid questions. Uh, how would you convert a Chev Mini? I wouldn't. Short answer. Yeah. N- anybody else? Aaron would never. I would never dream of it. Uh, uh, I'd have a hard time with it. I think I'd be looking in the Harlequin range. Like there's a lot of That's dynamic fair. moving elven sort of yeah. things going on there. Okay, I did cool. make a witch hunter out of one of the, yeah. one of the Harlequins so yeah. I can see that. I do what Paul did only way better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, I'm unlikely. Paul, Paul, uh, if there's anyone can challenge uh, our Eric Oakland on uh, the conversion skill, it's uh, it's uh, Paul. Here well, thank you, sir. I hope it I hope it drags you both down. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say, I didn't I didn't really get a description in this novella. 
that inspired me to do that, or and I don't know if it, it, it's in there or if it's in Silver Shard. You know, it was since it was told from the first person, you don't get a lot of description of her because yeah. she's the one telling the That's story. A even good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I was inspired when in Silver Shard to be like, I have an idea for how that might happen. I don't mm-hmm. think I actually ended up doing it. But right. yeah. um, any final interesting thoughts before we review it for real this time? No, I don't know. All right, cool. Um, give me some deep, deep thoughts. Uh, for me, I, I've, I've referenced it a few times. Like, I, I feel like, uh, it missed out on some of the promise. Like I was hoping for more of a heist. It wasn't a heist. I was hoping for more out of the, um, thieves underwear. I think, I think it's an incredible concept, but, uh, they moved through it. It felt like a lot by luck. Like it didn't, it didn't feel like it, I, you know, I was hoping it was going to be this thing where like, Oh, they figured out this is a puzzle and we, we sorted this thing out. And they were either getting it because Grey Jacques was yanking them through or they just were flubbing their way through or the Caco Sphinxes showed up and they're like, yeah, we helped you get as far as you were and we're also going to help you again. And um, that's how it, uh, it, that's how the promise that I was hoping for was not delivered upon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, and then there are some of the usual things with uh, with Black Library that, uh, you know, if, if I'm already like struggling a little bit, then they come to the fore, like, you know, somebody being like, this is a serious moment. And so I'm going to say enough, you know, like if, if we ever do a black library, black library bingo, that's going to be <laughs> way up there on, on it for me. Uh, and so I, I started noticing some of those things, um, which is not to say that I didn't enjoy it. Um, I, I think, uh, I've said any number of times that, uh, um, short stories and novellas, they, they can benefit from, but you know that they're they're able to like here's this idea we have I'm going to deliver this in a small package and not have to you know um, go beyond this cool idea I had and so uh, that that brings it up where the other things are bringing it down a little bit for me so um, I am going to give it uh, three out of four crossed Ranald fingers. <laughs> Nice. Which we did not mention. There was a fountain, crossed fingers, yep. symbol of Ranald, old world. Oh. Yep. Yeah. And lost on me. I love it, though. Ranald was the, uh, or Ronald, Ranald. He was yeah. the, he was the god of thieves, god of luck. Yeah. His symbol was the, the crossed fingers. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that, uh, that fountain showed up. So it was, that had to have been a reference, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Help me out, Paul. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I, I've had this conversation recently about how I enjoy worlds more than I necessarily enjoy the characters, right? Like, as long as the characters are romping through a good world, I'll yeah. buy most of it. Um, and I really enjoyed the world that he set up here. Uh, the well, Lethes wasn't really expanded upon, but um, moving across the cityscape, going to the, the Sorrow Point, right? And then getting to the Thieves Paradise as well. Like, it it all very much like fired off uh, images in my brain, like helped to sell me. And then, like you know, I picked my favorite character to be the the afterworld because it really did like just settle in. It's such a cool place that I could see any number of adventures happening. That's so, fair. Yeah, true. Uh, so I probably give it seven out of eight spider legs. <laughs> fair. Um, so I, I a lot of Davies. Cons or, or, or negatives resonate with me, but I'll say the things I do, I do like is there there were a handful of good good characters. I mean, these sort of secondary characters. I really liked Grey Jacques. I liked Boros, and there were a few others that 
I wouldn't mind seeing again. He's really building a cast of characters that yes. I hope he can sort of interchange and bring in and out um, as, <clears throat> as sort of necessary as he continues these stories. And I hope he continues to do so. Um, I liked the things that I learned. It was, it was informative. We talked about all, a lot of the things that we've discovered about a lot of the nature of death and underworlds and shyish. And so I thought that was all um, very interesting and definitely worth the price of admission to read, read in the book. Uh, it's also worth noting that, like, given the short story, uh, short nature of the novella, we always talk about how, like, there's a lot of bang for your buck, or there's there's very little filler. Like, there was always something going on, and it moved yes. from scene to scene to scene. Mm-hmm. It never really languished. Which, you know, sometimes Black Library novels can have the, those slow points, but this never really did. And so, like, this was very movie size. This was very very contained in the constructs of what, like, a, a film that you would watch an action movie, yep. like we keep referencing, you know, Indiana Jones or, or et cetera. Yeah. Um, so because of that, it is easily digestible and kind of a fun ride. And so I think a lot of that stuff over overcomes, I think, some of the negatives that I do agree that David brought up. I'm just going to say, not going to say them again. Um, so I do think it's worthwhile. And plus, I do just love continuing stories from characters that I know. So if you're going to sure. make a sequel to something, I'm going to read it no matter what. So yeah. like, uh, and I, and I, I don't regret having read this one because of that. Yeah. Uh, if I were to give it a number, let me think of a fun digit. I was trying to think what you guys were talking. I think I would give it four out of five Meccano fingers. What an amazing wow. and innovative thing that you thought of all by oh, yourself. I'm so impressed. Yeah. No help whatsoever. All right, guys, <laughs> that was our review. I'd be curious to know what you, you listeners um, who, who checked it out, what you thought of the book. Yeah, let Please. us know. Like, it, it's one of the one of the uh, most fun things we have is when the listeners give us that feedback. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and it's kind of the start of the new, new year. We didn't really talk about that. But, like, I want that to be a push, listener. I want to hear mm-hmm. from you about the books that we've read. Well, and I guess Pumping Iron? I don't know. Maybe just <laughs> did that. Um, but, no, yeah, but, we, we'd be ecstatic if you told us what you thought about the book or the show. So, let us know. Um, anything else? Where would they let us know? Aaron. Well, I'll tell you what. How about we, how about I tell you a little bit about this? Uh, it's time for our reforging, but Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord. Drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at the Mortal Realms. Davey, where can they find you? I'm at Red underscore Zeke. Uh, I'm Aaron, and I'm at Dosesos. I'm Paul and I'm PJ Shard. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Four out of five mechano fingers. Oh, I could do oh. fingers. Yeah, that's a solid. I can't do it because you just did Cut it. Cut him no, out no. and pretend yeah. that you came up Go with ahead. yourself. Um, I'll give it. Yeah, He's just a Varen suit. He's a Varen pyre. Soul pyre. Cool. Stretch. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like a Varen suit would if you put it over here. <laughs> I don't want to give up that sweet history of this, the weird story phase bumper from the early days. Fair. Yeah, the, I agree. The, the audience needs it. One day. Eric's iconic contributions to the podcast. <laughs> Which is where then I will say blah, 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 different types of doors. Aaron, edit this part. Pay attention. Stop playing well. All right, you're cool. Um, it's it's okay. You're just trying to run through more territory. Yeah. <laughs> no, just level up more. This is a, more. This is a Griffin ride. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>